Goodbye and hello again. I'm Michael. I'm Jen. And welcome to episode 481 of Conversation Street. This is um, a war about Coronation Street between the 26th and the 30th of July, which is episodes 10,386 to 10,391. Don't you know? Sorry, we're late. Gemma, why are we late today? I was ill. Gemma was poorly last night. She had migraine. No, yeah. Had you, had you, had you headache and your stomach ache. Yep, yep. Okay. We are doing our competition for Patreon. I and it's closing in soon. It's going to close on the 20th of August. It's not that soon. But um, <laughs> don't forget to enter it. What is the name of our cat? And if you enter, you can win a year's worth of our top tier Patreon, courtesy of our lovely patron, Nancy, who sponsored this prize. So you get um, a T-shirt. You get 12 episodes of our bonus patron content plus all the ones we've get, already done yeah exactly you get, you get so, tons t- loads good of competition stuff. that's why a load of people have already entered yeah what but is... don't let that put you off everybody if you haven't got through to get around to entering yet just just do it what is the name What's of our cat name? we've forgotten email us <laughs> please we need to I'll know i'll desperately try not to mention it in today's podcast conversationstreet like at gmail.com is how to enter just write the name of the cat you can say what you want. We've had, we've had a variety of people telling us things. I think everybody's got the cat's name in there somewhere, but yeah, we've had a, we've had yeah, a nice few emails. Yeah, right. Let us know how you're doing. Right. Um, so, this week's been quite good for us. We've been spending our patron money, haven't we, on eBay this week. We've been <laughs> having, having some little, um, yeah, some, some spending sprees on Michael the eBay. Michael has decided that he wants to start collecting Corrie merchandise, and I am well, aghast that our house is going to be full of those horrible little plastic you keep finding the same ones these horrible little plastic figurines that don't look anything like any of the characters they're supposed to be I know they're really bad aren't they I don't, I don't think I want those if they made some little figurines nowadays that were look decent and like maybe a little bit cartoony and stuff I'd be all over them but Would I don't you like really? those yeah what like if they did um what those little bubble head things pop what are they called yeah yeah well we said that what are they called um Pop, uh, pop man. Yeah, what are they called? Nendroids, aren't they? No, Nendroids is the Japanese one. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, those sort of things. I'd be all over those, but they're, they're not making those. But there is a whole wealth of other X, or well, not X, sorry, old Coronation Street merchandise out there just ready for the taking. I don't, I, want to, I don't want to get too much. I'm very discerning in my taste. I really cannot wait to get my hands on a George Taylor thimble. There are some thimbles on eBay at the moment. I saw a Fiona Middleton thimble just earlier today. Actually. Oh, it's almost as good. But I, d- I don't want to get a you know massive massive room full of any courage hat that well, I can get. Well, we don't have I'm, a massive room. We don't so. have a massive room. We still haven't moved house quite yet. I don't think we're going to move house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, this week on eBay, what did we get? We got. Um, we got the Coronation Street game. I think this is what started me off. Somebody had posted about the Coronation Street game from the mid-90s on our Facebook group, and that made me think, oh, I wonder what that's all about. I'm going to look on eBay. Then I got lost in eBay for the next half an hour, just looking through a load of stuff. So there's there's a game from Waddington's that was released um, for the 35th anniversary, I think, and we haven't had a play of it yet. I've not even looked at the rules, but there's, like, there's trivia cards, there's little character um, cardboard cutout things that you can move around a board, there's cards with pictures of pigeons and beer on. I don't know what it's about. Um, 
but Gemma, we've got all the fun of that to look forward to at some point. Uh, we got oh, we, we found some Pat Phoenix press clippings, didn't we? You wanted to to get those. Yeah, that would be quite fun. Yeah, there's um that that came a couple of days ago. It was, to be honest, it's mostly just stuff from the Coronation Street Treasures book that we've already got these two copies of somewhere. But there's a few, few other things there. That's all right. But the the um, Piesta Resistance. No, Piesta Resistance in this week's eBay spending was getting a signed, multiple signed copy of the 40th anniversary live episode script. I know, it's so exciting. That was so cool. Um, It was St. Catherine's Hospice um, who um, was putting that up on their their auction shop to to buy. And um, we know that we did did beat a couple of our listeners. We found our (laughs) sins who were also trying to get that. So I'm very sorry. It was really awkward. Sorry, everybody. We we posted about how happy we were to get it yesterday. (laughs) And then two people have said, I'll try to get that. (laughs) We have got, you can can get get other things. one of them was Andy Steele, who came onto the podcast earlier this year to talk about his massive Coronation Street merchandise collections. He's, he's already got tons of stuff. So yeah. He doesn't need it. <laughs> but it's cool. It's got, what, uh, 14 signatures, I think, on the front, such as the aforementioned Georgia Taylor. It's got uh, Vicky Entwistle. It's got William Roach, Barbara Knox. It's got some of the big names there. Yeah. I'll tell you who it doesn't have. Who? Don Savadin. It does not have John Sa- Oh, yeah, Gemma, tell the story about the John Savadin. Well, this is, this is why it's really fascinating um, to have this script, and we are so, so nerdy. We just got to the point in our Coronation Street viewing that we were about to watch the 40th it was anniversary. Totally coincidental, wasn't it? Yeah, so we thought, oh, let's let's watch it and go through the script at the same time. And as we're, we're literally flicking through this script, this, this, this so document quick. is 162 yeah. pages long. It's quite it's quite meaty. Each sometimes one page is just a few seconds of yeah yeah um, on screen. But so we're flicking through and we get to the bit where John where um John Savadin's character Fred. Fred Elliot is um is got a line and suddenly Dev is there and he's performing the lines and we're like ah and yeah, then, and then that's, that's, that rang a bell because I remember that there was some point when John, John got stabbed in the neck one time. Um, oh, that to, one time. Yeah, you know, it happens. And he had to be off Corrie for a bit. And I, I remember was, somebody yeah. telling me um, that he had to miss on Coronation Street. And I thought, I think maybe it was it was for this live episode. And it was. So poor um, poor John was holed up with a bit of a neck injury. And, that was um, on the 1st of December was when that happened. Yeah, so this then... was a week later when the live episode went out. And mm. I think <clears throat> Jimmy Harkishin took most of his lines. It, according to the script on the front page, Dev wasn't supposed to be in the episode in at all then. so he stepped so in I wonder were... whether he was like oh god yeah, I wonder. Was like, yeah. It, it worked pretty well he, a few lines were changed here and there weren't they he really to, to suit did Dev, a good but, job um, I thought yeah but there, there are a few others like Deirdre took a few of um yeah. of Fred's lines as well didn't it didn't she but all the way through I would say the majority of the lines that were on there were said a little bit differently on the episode. Yeah. And I don't know whether it was, you know, a live thing or whether that always happens. Do people always well, just say like roughly they... what the script says or it wasn't like they completely changed no. it, but you know, they if somebody was to say of... Yeah, if somebody was to say, you know, come over here, then on the actual episode they might have said, Get over here or you know, something like yeah. that. It was it's really it was, was fascinating to read through it and um And the other the other interesting tip bit yeah. was that um, Noddy, what's his face? Oh yeah, Noddy Holder's character. He, on, yeah. On on because he turns up at the very end of the episode because the, the episode is all about um, them wanting to tarmac over the cobbles and some of the residents led by Ken Barlow trying to get um, a, prote- a preservation order from the council. Um, so they they can't get one in time by the time the tarmacers arrive. So they make up a fake one using Ken's leaked computer skills. But he hasn't got a printer, so he gets it sent to. 
um, this Noddy Holder character who's supposed to be a friend of Dougie Ferguson and he shows up at the very last minute brandishing it on posh paper saying, hey, it's all right, don't, don't tarm out the cobbles. But on the front page of it, um, his character said TBA, so to be announced. So I wonder at what point it was decided that Noddy Holder would be playing this character and indeed... You know, or, or when was it revealed to the cast? It, it's a funny yeah, one, wasn't it? Was it? I, I, I don't remember at the time whether it was a surprise on the night or what. I reckon they just kept it secret and they were like, no, no leaking. Because on the front of the of the script, it even has a, a, like a little panel going, just don't leave this line around for God's sake and don't tell anybody what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, it was cool. Um, the the other thing that, that that's um, notable about the fortieth anniversary episode was that that was Chris Gascoigne's first episode playing Peter yeah. Barlow, wasn't it? So that was really funny to see a, a young, clean shaven, fresh faced <laughs> Chris Gascoigne showing up on the cobbles. And obviously, I watched it at the time, and I have seen him, you know, age over the past twenty years <laughs> or so. But it, it still it, looks he, good. He must have been like our age back then, didn't he? Well, it's nice to know that you can before age the whole alcoholism years. and everything. Well, he got pretty. Um, sloshed, didn't he, in the episode? Yes, the he, he told Peter. Ken that he was wasting his time trying yeah. to stop the, t- the cobbles being tarmacked over because he's been in the navy. You know, he's been serving his country, and that's a bit more important than serve, than protecting the cobbles. But anyways, it was we ended up watching that last night because once uh, once once Gemma was able to um, rouse herself from uh, bed, we watched last night's Coronation Street, and then it was what ten o'clock or something. So we couldn't record the podcast, but we thought, oh, let's just watch the fortieth anniversary episode. So that was quite a fun way to spend an evening, really. So thank you, St Catherine's <laughs> Just You're for putting that, that, that on, it was really on, on. Fun. yeah, and we, we've we've got have we got like three scripts now? I think, but we've, we've never you know done this, done, that, yeah. done it before. But yeah, there's cool stuff. Anyway, that's been our coronation trip adventures for the week. I thought you might want to know. Yeah, would you like to do a quiz? I would love to do a quiz. Yes, please. What happened this week in years ending in a one over six? Yeah, um, from Coronation Street. Fandom. Com. Yes. Tell me, please. 26th of July, 1996. The Rovers holds a talent night, which is somewhat dampened by the fact that everybody sings the same songs by which artist? Frank Sinatra. Yes, how did you know that? Well, I, I, I watched it. And oh, yeah, he's, a, he's a karaoke Michael, classic. Michael, you've watched most of these. No, no, I'm just... It doesn't stop I suppose you from complaining at me. Relatively recently. 27th of July, 1981. Which street couple get married? Ken and Deirdre. Correct. Yeah. 28th of July, 1986. Gail is pregnant, but doesn't know who the father is. Who are her options? Uh, Brian Tilsley and Ian Latimer. Or, not and. <laughs> 28th of July, 2011. Steve sleeps with who while he's seeking a divorce from who? Oh. Um, 2011. I'm gonna... Oh. Um... So he's already he's yeah, married the to hang somebody. So he's married to Becky. Yeah. And he sleeps with, I'm going to say, Tracy. <laughs> could be anybody. Correct. Twenty. Yeah. 20- Is that two marks I get for that one? 9th of July, nice. 1981. On which TV do the Rovers goers watch the Royal Wedding? Hilda's TV. Yeah. Where, where's it from? What do you mean, where's it from? Eddie rented it. Oh. 30th of July, 1986. Audrey is distracted by Gail becoming ill while she's dyeing Hilda's hair. What colour does she dye it accidentally? Bright orange. Yeah, correct. You got it all right today. That's the end. Is that the end of the quiz? I was a bit sick. (laughs) You were sickening. Yeah, seven out of seven. Nice. Who's got a birthday coming out this week, Emma? 31st of July. That is today. Sue Jenkins, who plays Gloria Todd. 
First of August, Jesse Evans, who played Megan Hopkins. Second of August, Sandra Goff, who played Irma Barlow. Third of August, Andrew Lanso, who played Frank Foster. Fifth of August, Character. John Sharp, who played Les Clegg. Lawrence Mullen, who played Steve Fisher. Love Steve Fisher. <laughs> Ray, Fe- <laughs> Ray Fearon, played Nathan Cooper. Anthony Cotton, who played Sean Talley. Oliver Farnworth, who played Andy Carver. What a good day. 6th of August, writer Vince Powell and Reese Dinsdale, who played Joe McIntyre. That is also our wedding anniversary, isn't it? it 6th of August. It is. Yeah. 11 years, blimey. <laughs> right. That's it. Nice. Well, that, that was quite, you know, quick and straight and to the point, and let's get on done, and talk yeah. about this week's Coronation Street, then. Okay. Right, what happened in this week's Coronation Street, Gemma? Whoa. Stuff. Yeah. Deep. Um, serious. Very serious things. Very silly things. There were some serious and some silly things, you're right. Um, and I've got a silly name for the serious um, story at first. We're going to go right to the racism story and call it Characters Profiled, which is meta or something, I don't know. Because, yeah, racial profiling going on in Weatherfield this week, I think. Again. The tide turns for Todd. We'll do number two. That's just alliteration for that one. Thank you. Not that for great. Uh, the third off, even though it wasn't really particularly a big story, because it linked into the Titans of Todd story, we'll do the full Monty. Got yep. to see a few more calendar pictures this week, which is quite cool. And Oh, I love this storyline title. I texted you this when I was in bed last night. Not last night, uh, a couple of nights ago, didn't I? So this is the Hope story, yeah? Oh. Hope Stape, who wants to get rid of Alina. Yeah, yeah. that's the setup. We're calling this storyline Stape Al Remover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stape Al Remover. Stape Al yeah, mm, I've been, I've been using one of those in my classroom this week. Uh, Kaylee and Jolie comes fifth, and then we're going to be finishing off with um, the bit of a cock-up story, which came back. Um, cochlear is, is, operation. Is Alad going to get his cochlear, cochlear implant? implant? Who knows? Maybe next week we'll find out, I don't know. Right, um, because it's a serious storyline, it's probably best if you do this first one, Gemma, and I'll try not to say anything in offen- um, I'll try not to say anything in offensive. <laughs> I've done it already. I'll try not to it's say not anything inappropriate. It's not a funny subject to a lot of people. Michael. That's why you're doing this one. And I'll just chip in every now and then. There's no need to say anything. What happened to Michael and James this week? Right, so on Monday, remember last week, James was um, considering the dilemma of whether or not to do, to, uh, to talk about coming out to a, I think it was supposed to be a gay magazine. I thought it was a national newspaper. I don't remember. Well, he's, the press. he's been offered thirty grand for this, and he's he's um, sort of pondering whether or not to. I'd be like, yes. How much of my kit do I have to get off? Because I'm assuming <laughs> it's going to be topless. <laughs> I, I think... don't know whether I'd do it for thirty thousand pounds. <laughs> uh, I would need a lot more than that. FYI, um, he says to Michael that he's thinking of giving the money to his mum and dad. And Aggie's like, what the hell is wrong with you, James? Use it to buy a new house for yourself. Well, I think, move out. I mean, yeah, move out. Number one, that would be a pretty sizable deposit, wouldn't it, for a house yeah. around Weatherfield Way? Um, well, he needs like a flat in Weatherfield Keys or something, doesn't oh, he? Yeah. He's a swanky footballer. Well, I think I think he's thinking of giving it to his mum and dad because he's like, plenty more where this is coming from. Yeah, probably. Mm. Um, that'd be no. that's the good way of doing it. See, give him thirty grand at the beginning and be like, there you go. That's that's paid you back for my childhood, and then the rest of the millions are all yours. You don't have to pay your your, your parents back. But he's, hang uh, on a minute. Anyway, he's, he's, you what? <laughs> I've got to pay my dad. <laughs> We've got. That's why we haven't got any um, <laughs> any money. <laughs> he's got. Yeah, that's why. Um, 
He, he's done kind of done it the easy way, hasn't he? He's got his £30,000 up front, hurt his leg, and then he's just like, I'm sorted now. I don't know if you can live off 30 grand for the rest of your life, darling. <laughs> it's cheap up north, it's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, look at the menu on Roy's Rolls. It's not changed for 20 years, I don't think. The price is on there. Anyway, Aggie's like, no, we couldn't possibly. But I think that he should have insisted a bit more. <laughs> I'd have a well, let's, look, look, so. let's just put it like this. If she had only accepted, none of the rest of this would have happened. That's very true. So she's just happy that he's happy and says, spend it on whatever you want. And Michael's like, let's buy a sports car. I loved how excited Michael was at the beginning of this. I don't think, is 30 grand enough for a flashy car like that? I don't think it is, is it? I don't know. I don't know much about cars, but even normal cars are like, our car was like £10,000, like five, six, how long ago? Seven? Seven years ago, okay, yeah. Yeah. I've got no idea. I think it was about that much. As I said, cheap up north. I don't think the price of cars is cheaper up north. Otherwise, <laughs> wouldn't we just drive up there and buy one? And go like that. <laughs> because I wouldn't be able Suck to get it. up there because I wouldn't have a car. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. It costs so much money to get up on there on the train. I looked it up, it was hundreds of pounds. Anyway, Michael gets to death work and he tells Grace about their plans to go to the car showroom. They're very excited. Um, Grace has got her own project he has made... Not just trying to get Michael into bed. That's project two. Project one is to make a portfolio of the baby grow designs that he's been working on. Because apparently he used to have a t-shirt business. I can't remember I if we're supposed to remember this or not. But he's when had his he finger in many in, pies. Don't forget he was an inventor. Didn't he have that app that was applause? Oh yeah, the clapping app. I yeah. forgot about that. I downloaded that so many times. It's such a fantastic <laughs> app for when I've got... I mean, I've got a blister on my palm at the moment from going to the allotment, so that would actually be really handy <laughs> if I was going to any live... See, he's got bitten on the arse by COVID because there's no live events back to now, applause. It's fine. It's fine. Well, he's probably getting an uptick on that now. Um, yeah, so he's been making baby grow designs and she's sort of done it for him. She's made this portfolio of, of them. I don't know why she does this because later on she just puts them on the internet. Because she wants to jump his bones. Um, I don't think that you need to make a t-shirt business to get a man to sleep with you, but <laughs> perhaps Grace has got other problems. Well, she is just like a path, so. Um, the brothers return to the street with a car. Is it a red one? Or yes, is that just my red. mind? It was red. All sports cars are red. James is like, it, oh. It's like a roof-down convertible it's a convertible. car, it? Do you know that England, I, th- I don't know about the rest of Great Britain, we buy more convertible cars per capita than any other country. Really? Because we're so optimistic. When it's so cold here, cold and wet. Because we, because we know how to take advantage of a good time. I think us. I've been in one once, and it was flipping freezing. I love. I think yeah. I went. My uncle borrowed one off of his um very rich friend Lindsay, I, and I we think, drove around Bitten. I think I was like I was like a teenager when we were going to church youth club one <laughs> oh, evening, and I don't know who's get the car, kids in. I don't know whose car. Come on, kids! He wants to get. He wants to drive for Jesus. <laughs> don't know whose car it was, but yeah, I just was cold. Anyway, Thinking. we're going through a heat wave at the moment, so I'm sure James and Michael will find. I quite like a convertible. I always want one of those VW bugs with the with the convertible top. But I don't even have a car, so anyway, James is like, "Oh, I think I would like to buy it actually." And Michael's like, "Let's go driving around more." Danny comes over and says, "Oh, isn't this nice?" Aggie says, "Be careful." Um, you haven't written very many detailed notes about this, so this is quite important. I watched this again this morning. I wanted to watch it again, but I. Just realised that I didn't. Well, well, I'll tell you then. Okay. So they're driving down the cobbles fairly slowly. I mean, they've only just pulled off. They're at number. They're starting at number three. They're only going to the Rosamond Street, aren't they? So they're not going to be. I'm sure it gets it, north to sixty very quickly in a splash car like that. But they James don't. says it's 
an automatic, and he, obviously, most people in this country are used to driving manuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, they drive to the end of the street, and then we cut to see PC Brody, who's the new character. Um, You've written PC racist. In well, I didn't know, I didn't know what his name was when I was typing my notes at this time. I think that's a bit judgmental. Well, with, I'm sure they would well, just come up story, with this later. So he spots them and he kind of looks a bit, hmm, what's going on over there then? And at this point, they're just driving normally to the, to the okay. crossroads at the end. And after this, this is when they start kind of juddering around a little bit. I think they speak to Craig who gives them a... a, a uh, thumbs up that's right and then Daniel stops and then they start kind of juddering about Daniel a bit. talks to them yeah yeah and then they so they turned down Rosamond Street and this is when the police car came after them and stopped them okay so yeah. he's observing them yeah he observes them he goes hmm right, something so doesn't sees, look right, right there so first yeah. of all this is important this is why I watched it this morning the first thing he sees is two black guys in a fancy car in a very working class area stopping and talking to people then when they go around the corner they start buggering about no i think they start buggering about before they go around the corner but as they were driving up to the okay but the first thing he sees is basically oh there's two black guys he looks suspicious before they start to drive erratically right that's an important point to remember yes so it all goes completely wrong doesn't it um michael is Telling James to stay calm. Yeah, because he's stopped them, hasn't he? They he's get around them. the corner outside the, the tattoo parlour or whatever. PC. Brody. Brody. Stops them, and he won't say why he's stopping them, but he's asking them for their ID. And he asks James to get out of the car, and then Michael gets out as well. And Michael's really um, worried and concerned, and he's talking loudly and desperately trying to placate the officer but that is making things worse because he's approaching the officer at the same time that the officer is trying to sort out what his his business with James is yeah because he doesn't recognize James he doesn't know who the, uh, that they are no um and he is getting despite, flustered despite the fact that this guy was you know in the news yeah, very recently He's getting flustered because he's asking James for his ID, asking him to get out of the car, but Michael gets out and comes around and approaches him. They're at trying the same to time. they're trying to find out well why did you stop us as well. Yeah, and, so, and yeah exactly. He's same. saying what you what what do you want? What he do you says, want? He says I've got every right, this is a public highway. I, I don't need to, I, I can ask your ID or whatever. So um, at this point also he's turned on his camera. Yeah. What are they called? Um no. <clears throat> his vest cam, cam or whatever. Which is what you're supposed to do if you're an officer and you're going to arrest somebody, I think. So. Yeah, just so you got it on record. And there's also some crowds starting to gather by this point filming on their phone. Themselves as well. So he starts to arrest James because he's not giving him his ID. Yeah, I think it was also, he was, the, the officer must have been feeling quite flustered with this. And like you say, Michael was approaching him. Not, he wasn't threateningly. Michael, Michael was, was not, was, can I just say. This is, yeah, Michael wasn't doing... Michael was trying to solve the problem, but unfortunately it was not helping. It was making it worse. And he's already and that, had... I mean, he's had probably a lifetime full see, of incidents like this, but we've see seen a few already this year. You yeah. can see, and also, because because of being profiled like this and always feeling like you're have, on the defensive and having to defend yourself against being accused of things, you would be... On you know you yeah. would what well, you would want to protest your innocence and you would want to like 
uh, protecting his little brother. Yeah, and say you got this wrong. Nothing, nothing's wrong here. So the but, okay, on Brody offer uh, arrests him, citing section twenty five of the general the arrest conditions or, or whatever. Which basically it says a lot of things, but one of them that seems to fit in with this is now. What did I see? Um, to to if if it looks like the person might harm themselves or harm someone else, it says if a constable has reasonable grounds for believing the arrest is necessary to prevent the relevant, relevant person suffering physical injury, committing an offence. So there, he's not saying he has definitely done something at this point, but he's saying I've got grounds to suspect that if I don't arrest you, you know, you can get yourself into a spot of bother. Right. But later on, he says to Craig... If I'd known who he was, I wouldn't have arrested him. I thought he said if I'd known who he was, I wouldn't have stopped, stopped him. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, well, I think he says something like that. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done it, which makes it more clear to me that he saw them and he th- immediately suspected that they were criminals because they were black and they were driving a fancy car. I also saw somebody on Facebook saying that the fact that they're driving down the road and stopping and talking to people as they go is suspicious because it could be a drug deal. Yeah, no, I didn't think of that, actually. That's a good point. Now, the thing about policemen is they see the world at a slightly different way to, to most of us, and we're allowed to give people the benefit of the doubt, aren't we? But policemen, I don't know if they think like that because everybody they see is a criminal in their minds. Mm. He's obviously profiled them because they're black. Yeah. Um, Possibly. Well, this is the thing. This is the so thing, let's right? Get with Let what... me just say okay. that this, like, I said benefit of the doubt. And this is the thing about being a racist as well. And, and um, it's kind of like, at this stage, it's like a thought crime. You don't know if somebody's doing something because they're a racist. Mm. Sometimes it's obvious. In this case, I think it's really difficult to work out. Unless you're in his mind, you don't. You literally don't know why he's done this. No, and the talk of unconscious bias comes up, obviously, as well, yeah. doesn't it? That's a really and it, important it's, thing. It's certainly not been made crystal clear whether he is racist or not. In fact, some of the things that he says during the week make it is like looking like he's not, or he doesn't even know whether he is himself or what or whatever. I I, I think at my first watching of this. I'm not going to say like I was feeling completely sympathetic to him and and everything, but I thought people are saying that he's definitely racist when it's not obvious that that's why he's got them. But the the second watch when I saw that he was looking, he was treating them differently, literally when they were just driving down the road, they caught his attention. That did make me think maybe there is something. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, again, benefit of the doubt. Racism thrives in benefit of the doubt, doesn't it? And I think as white people, we're often very quick to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, well, no, I wouldn't be racist in that situation. So, I, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that it's possible, you know, maybe it's possible, but you can't say one or the other. Mm. It's easy for us to say that because we don't have to experience no. things like that. No. And it is interesting how police will t- treat you very differently. I've spoken on the podcast before about when I was younger, my cousin went missing and we had to get the police to come and look for her. And they were very different to me when I was at my uncle's house on the Isle of Wight in a very poor area in a really run-down council house. They treated me very differently than they had treated me before when I'd just been out about wearing my fancy clothes, Mm. you know, walking around. So even different um, classes of people, they'll treat you differently. Yeah. And that's just before you even take into consideration skin colour. Well, I think that everybody has 
I think it's natural to have you make snap judgments when you see somebody, don't you? You can't whether not. it's to do with yeah, the, what you consider their class to maybe be or or whatever. For every time well, you meet the, somebody for the first time ridiculous. in your head, you kind yeah. of link it to somebody else that maybe you know or that you've seen on TV or something, yeah. just to try and say, so who who's who's this about? Are they can they be a friend? Are they a threat or or what? Well, it's ridiculous to pretend that people don't judge everybody the first time they see them based on their looks. Yeah. Unless they're blind. But it's how it's how you then treat them, which is well, the, it's what the issue no, it's with not just that. here. It's not just that, but it's what your judgments, where your judgments come from and what your judgments are. So Brody's looking at a black person and saying criminal. Mm. That is, that is, that's the prejudice. That's judging somebody before you know them. Yeah. You know, I could, I could look at the same two people and go, they look like a pair of tossers because they're in a fancy sports car. Exactly. I mean, I, I can't remember who it was later in the week that brings up, like, would he have stopped them if they were white? He's, he, I think he said no, but... You know, but can would, I just would he say, I don't know, maybe would, if it... If they, would he have stopped them if they were skinheads with football t- tops on? Yeah, exactly. I think that he probably would have done. Maybe. But that doesn't mean that he's not being racist when he's stopping them now. No. This is a very delicate oh, subject, and um, obviously it's kind of difficult. Some people to... I've seen online have said, "Yep, he is absolutely one hundred percent definitely yeah. racist." But and also not having any wanting to have any discussion about whether or not he is or not. You know? No, and and some people uh, would been would have been people um, like Michael and James who maybe have experienced things like this in their past that are a lot more you know know a lot more about it than we do. So they are a higher authority. Yeah, well, us. when it's a pattern of behaviour that is is done to you by certain groups of people, you you'd start to you know you, you're going to stop giving wondering is this racism and go yeah here we go again. Mm. You know, Michael's had so many experiences recently where he's been treated differently or he's felt like he had had been treated unfairly because he's black um it's stop you stop wondering after a certain point and just say well here it is again you know yeah how how um it would be crazy not to, to yeah you, to re- you recognize the science yeah um so and james done busts his leg doesn't he we haven't even got to this this main bit i mean you guys might know that easter egg in last week's podcast where I um to explore the story that I knew was going to come up about James hurting himself I deliberately hurt my ankle in the woods <laughs> so I would I would know how he felt this is method podcasting right here it is exactly <laughs> method podcasting and can I just say how is your leg this week Gemma we haven't mentioned this yet it's still hurting people have been sending everybody their keeps saying to me I should have had an x-ray and it's a bit late now <laughs> um yeah I'm, I think it's it's still not properly right and it's going a bit numb I'm a bit concerned about that and what about your knee darling oh my knee's alright now okay that's it. Um, but can I just say who plays James Nathan Graham Nathan Graham mate you didn't react to being in pain at all <laughs> when he sat down later and he comes back home with on crutches from the hospital and he like plonks himself down on the sofa like he's got absolutely nothing wrong with him whatsoever i don't know what drugs they gave general him are very good they're very they're miracle workers i can only assume that this guy's never hurt his leg or or arm or or anything ever before because you don't just <laughs> it's not just hopping around on a pair of crutches it really hurts you wouldn't have been able to do that <laughs> if it's so bad you need um you need an operation on your knee mm. i don't normally criticize the acting but he really didn't seem like he hurt himself at all because <laughs> i when i hurt when i hurt my ankle last week i thought i was gonna throw up 
with how painful it was. Mm. I really could and I couldn't speak. But I guess there was a bit, you know, there was a bit too much else going on for us to have. It was just a girl, Gemma. I am just a girl, yeah. I'm not even a real footballer. <laughs> He's a big refty tufty footballer, James remember Bailey. When, um, He's well hard. <laughs> remember when um, Bet Lynch was in the fire and she threw up? Yeah. That's proper method acting, <laughs> that is. Making yourself sick. Oh, that scream. Yeah. Um, so imagine, just just imagine that's what, what James is doing, uh, being sick on the side of the road. How does he hurt? He's kind of being, he's been, he's, arrest- on... he's been handcuffed, hasn't yeah. he? And um, he's kind of led towards the curb and then he, one, one leg goes over or something. I think he turns. Something like that, yeah. And it's because, it's also partly because Michael's there in, Michael's in the, getting the officer's himself face. himself involved. Yeah. Which, you know, makes sense, but was not helpful. Um, Officer Craig, he turns up and says, what the hell is going on? And he says, well, I'm not racist. <laughs> they were driving erratically. And Craig gets an ambulance. James had seen them. Well, he'd seen some of them driving, hadn't he? Because he, he, he spotted James them. Or Craig. Sorry, Craig, sorry. He'd seen them driving slowly down Coronation Street and then carried on walking, you know, factory direction. So I don't know whether he'd seen them kind of jetting about or not. I can't remember whether he mentioned that later. So he's, he's unsure. The thing is... I can't help but think like how would how if I've ever I've never been pulled over by the police but I'd be absolutely terrified I know me I don't too. know what I'd say I'd, I'd just be crying probably sometimes when I'm driving along and there's a police car behind me I'm thinking like, what have I done what have I done <laughs> but like if I if a policeman pulled me over and I started crying and didn't react well to how what they were doing they probably wouldn't do anything to me that was bad, would they? They'd probably just be like, stop crying, for starters. <laughs> depends if they were sexist. Well, if they thought I was a stupid idiot woman, it depends on whether they thought I was trying to manipulate them. If they thought I was trying to manipulate them by crying and I wasn't, I was just putting it on, they might get angry. Mm. But I think most of the time they'd just be like, all right, <laughs> stop crying and we'll sort this out. Yeah. Whereas, because James and Michael are men, they don't cry. <laughs> It's not their first go-to response. But to get out, you know, because Michael's, like, trying to protect, like you say, his little brother gets out to try to help. Oh, it's, it's just sad that, like, the natural reaction is the wrong thing. Mm. And it causes so much, you know. But the question is, should they have been pulled over in the first place? question and is, why? is James going to be able to play in the big game that's coming up? No. New season or something? No. Um, he's not. He's not. He's not. No. Um, this this officer, what was his name? Brody. Brody. Is saying, oh God, I, I didn't know that you were a footballer. Um, I If I had known, I wouldn't have pulled you over. My daughter loves Weatherfield County. Yeah. And he's all smarmy and kind of sucky uppy. And J- James is like not even interested. He probably realizes at this point that this He's could end up going going badly for him, especially with everybody filming it around him as well. Um. So, so he goes to hospital, and he Aggie's there, and he's worrying about his leg, and he says it's the cruciate, isn't it? I'm never going to play again. Yeah, he's gone a bit David Barlower, isn't he? Because uh, Ken's brother back in the sixties did his leg in on a game, didn't he? And he was well, told he'd never play again. If his next move is to buy the corner shop, yeah. I say no trips to Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth it. No. Um, so he hobbles home on crutches, completely pain-free. <laughs> Ed's worried. James says, I've got to, I'm have got. i going to think positively, but I've got to have this operation. 
and Michael says he's going to be out of foot, um, action football wise for two months. And Michael was immediately going, "Let's complain about this." We I've seen some people saying two months. That's really not very long no, compared no, to how not. long it should be. But what okay. do I know? Now this is important. This is I think is important to say here, right? About making the complaint. I said earlier, if the if it's justified that he pulled Brady pulled them over, if he can justify it in law, then it becomes a question of you can only tell if it's racist if you can read his mind and find out whether mm. he pulled them over because they're black or not. Now, how you root out an officer who does this versus somebody else who does not act like this is to have a body of complaints that follow them around. So if you think this has happened, the best thing is to make a complaint. Even if you think that it's overreacting, you don't want to make a fuss, the only way that you're going to be able to identify somebody with with serial behaviour like this is if there is a record of complaints of them doing the same thing over and over again. And, and this, that, this was a first for Brody as well, wasn't it? Because he says to Craig on Wednesday's episode, I think, like, this is going to be, you know, hang around my neck like a millstone now. Well, I've, I've been serving the community, all different yeah. people from different backgrounds, whatever, all my life, but now I'm going to be called the bigot. Well, I, I'm sure that there are police who have had complaints uh, along these lines mm. who continue in their jobs, but... Like I said, that's the only way to tell. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, unless yeah. They're, unless they're very blatant with it. Yeah. Which, you know, then there's not really a question, is there? But, um, yeah, so I would I would agree with Michael here, really. Make a complaint about it. And then let's, let, the, let the police decide. I yeah. mean, it's quite naive to say well, that they will probably... Michael's just reached the end of his tether with all this, hasn't he? Because there's been the other in- incidents. So what, what else has happened this year? There was one where he was stopped by a policeman when he was chasing Grace down the road or something yeah, earlier this year. Yeah, they said that year. they, oh, we're looking for a guy of your description. Yeah, and then there, there was... Grace being Grace... held while she gave birth to Glory. Yeah, in the, uh, by, the, by the security guard. I think that's all there's been More so far. More recently, but... he was passed up on a promotion... Yes, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know whether that was a part of it or not because he speaks about Sarah and I was wondering whether he was talking about that at the time but then when I rewatched it again this morning he was talking then about um, he told Sarah about Grace being um, held captive by the yeah. security guard while she was in labour and that was when Sarah started looking at him a little bit quizzically as if like, are you sure? Are you sure that, that it was a racist yeah, security guard? because it seems so outlandish to to anybody who's not even been in that situation. Mm. And but that could have been a reason why Michael contributed to the fact why Michael didn't get this promotion at the factory because she thinks that maybe he's an exaggerate or isn't trustworthy or a bit of a yeah. drama queen or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where you don't know and, that, and this is what drives you crazy. This is what they call microaggressions and things like that where you'll never know. Mm. Is somebody having a bad day or are they racist? You know, if they, if they give you a look... Why? Why? Mm. What is it? Have I done something or are you just a racist? How can you tell? You never will know. Yeah. Michael points out to James that this isn't just about you. This is about all of us. Yeah. It's true. Because it, he's, he's just seen it happen. Well, it's also, life. you know, say next year Brody does the same thing to somebody else. Mm. If there's no record of this happening the first time, he'll get away with it. You know, assuming that, again, I don't, I, I, it's not clear to me here. Unless we can read his mind. We haven't, yeah, we have, for, from what we've seen of him so far, it's not obvious. And and he says, uh, Brody on Wednesday's episode, he does the whole line to that, like, I'm not racist. It wasn't even, I'm not, I'm not racist, but is it he says to, to Craig, but some people have said, or he said, I'm not racist. And if you're, 
if you are racist, you shouldn't need to say that. Uh, I, I. It's very. It's because no, this is the, I keep going back and forth on it because you said that you watched it again and it looked like he was already going. Mm, yeah, he before was. They did he was, but like you said, that that could have been for any number of reasons. Like you said, if there was a like, know, honestly, couple of skinheads yeah. in the car, well, yeah. he might have had exactly the same. But I have to say, I. When I, when I see someone in a sports car, I always think, what a pair of tosses. Yeah. I never go, wow. Well, he also might have said, you know, this is where I do my beat, or whatever the police call it. <laughs> I've never seen a sports car like this, not since the days of Alma Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's this doing here? I don't know. I don't. It's really complicated. Yeah, it's we, not... I'm, I'm sure that it will come out. I, I think Coronation Street probably will want him to end up getting some kind of just desserts or seeing or, that he'd be punished or something. So I think he will probably say something, I imagine, well, this is the thing. over the next week, which might show his true feelings. I think this is good because it's ambiguous, but it shows how insidious racism is because you can make excuses for everything that Brady's done. Yeah. Even if he, it turns out he was a racist, you can still go back and go, yeah, but, and this bit, who can say? I'm not sure. It's, it's you know, 50-50. Mm. It goes to show you how difficult it is but we have to talk about it even though it's really uncomfortable mm. and it's very scary to say the wrong thing as well no totally um but that's something that is just you know you've got to get over it haven't you <laughs> to talk about it so james says the club is going to pay for private surgery next week and then craig comes around and this is very awkward to watch because he's trying to kind of make excuses for Brody and going he's not racist you know um well, d- I don't think he would have done we've this. obviously never seen Craig and Brody together no. but as far as we know they've been friends colleagues whatever for a number of years now I mean the so question it's, I would is... say it's probably natural at this point for Craig to try and defend his friend it's natural to assume the best of everybody especially if especially they're if your Craig. friend or you're they're a colleague but at the same time, how would you know, Craig, whether he's a racist or not? Because you're white and so is he. Unless he's, you know, unless he's gone to you, oh, you know, oh, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, come here, I've got, I want to talk to you about something. Or we've all been around other white people who have said said something to try and test us out to see whether we're going to bite on that old, yeah, you know, I know what you mean, these people kind of a thing. Mm. He has not had that conversation with Brody, obviously. Like, I remember one time I was in a... um, I got picked up by a taxi guy and he took me to the station and before we'd even got, like, a few minutes, he'd started on being really racist about immigrants. I think I remember you telling me about that. And there's nothing I can say to him about it because I'm a single woman in a car with a man that I don't know. Mm. You know, so I was just trying to not get him to talk to me about it. Yeah. But... It's difficult. What do you say? I don't. But yeah, exactly. Craig, but Craig is um, saying that he never, he's never heard any him saying anything. No, well, he, no well, Craig sees the best in everybody, which probably isn't necessarily the best thing to do if you're a policeman. You have a bit of suspicion, but yeah, he he says that I don't think he's racist. Um, does he at this point try and get him? No, he, I don't think he tries to get him to drop the the, char- the well, complaint because there hasn't been a complaint. Michael he's... says you're trying to get me get him out of trouble, and yeah. Craig leaves, and James says, "I wish you hadn't have accused." Craig then um, of of of, yeah, of being, conspiring being with, in cahoots yeah. with this racist 
And James says, I'm not a coward, but I just, I'm not strong enough for this. And this is what I was saying last week about him being gay and having to stand up for, you know, all gay people. Mm. Now he's got the same thing, but all black people. Is that fair? No, he's only young and it's a really hard burden. Yeah, it's not, if, if he wants to say this is somebody else's battle... I couldn't blame him, but also but I don't blame time, Michael at all for saying I'm not going to this. But Michael's not got as much to lose as James has because James is going to be the difficult one. If he says anything, he's going to be the difficult one who, who stands up for himself and people get on the defensive and don't like that kind of person. Mm. That That's definitely a, a, a racist trope against black people who stick up for themselves and, and say this is racist. Mm. People get you know, yeah. upset. <laughs> Michael finds, uh, Grace finds Michael in the pub later. He's really frustrated and he just wants James to stand up for the race, to the racist and he brings Glory up again and this is what he said before. Well, I think it was with Grace. But Grace this, this, had, was, this was months and months this, ago, wasn't yeah, it? I before, think it was when, like, when she was pregnant. Um, you know, we're living in this world and Glory's going to have to grow up with this. Yeah, he and wants to change, to change the world for his daughter. Yeah. So um, then, this is the wor- even worse, somebody's posted this video of him getting arrested and everyone's writing nasty comments with like hashtag playing the race card and hashtag race bait. And James, Michael and Grace are all reading these comments looking really upset. Yeah. Ugh. And uh, Michael's again just saying we need to pass this on to a lawyer, we need to escalate this. Who says I have to? Uh, James, I think. <sighs> this so, is awful. This It's very timely because it reminds me of... I mean, everyone surely watching this was reminded of what happened with the Euro final when three of our um, players missed their penalty kicks and they were all black players and then they got racially abused online. Um, I don't know what it's got to do with anything. No. It's so frustrating. So, Wednesday. again, they're being abused because they're black online. On Wednesday, James's phone has been um, binging away all night. And, Jay- and Danny's, for some reason, gone away on a chefing course. So, literally, like, he I saw his boyfriend. And then he drove around the corner and broke his knee. And, Jay- and Danny's like, well, you know... Got to learn how to sharpen these knives. <laughs> that was odd. It makes me wonder whether there was something behind the scenes there where the actor playing Danny couldn't be there because he literally just showed up for that one scene, didn't he? He's like, like, nice car. For the week. I suppose, to be honest, though, if I was Danny, I'd be like, nice car, mate. And then he'd like round the corner and suddenly hear screaming and I'd be like, go into the chef course then. <laughs> <laughs> Steve offers to take James to the station. So station with Michael in... Police station. Yeah. Not the train station. <laughs> to the chefing course. Um... James and Michael at the police station and he says I I think this is a bad idea to have made this complaint because my career is hanging by a thread this is not good Craig is there but James doesn't want to talk to him yeah Craig comes in and he's like oh alright mate what are you doing here and it's like nothing <laughs> like, what do you think very awkward it's very awkward Jen, to make Craig just wants to be friends with everybody he wants to be friends with Brody. he wants to be friends with the Baileys yeah well, because and also retain some level of professionalism. Not that he's managed, he's managed to get quite far without that before. Pretty far. <laughs> PC Brody is moping about having his complaint and how it's all over the internet. He's not a racist. People are always going to think he's the bigot. 
or they'll say, oh, it's unconscious bias. Um, but sometimes you've got to go with your gut, which is exactly what he did the other day. That's what, that's what Craig used to do, but now he's, he's been going oh. on his runs and he's slimmed down a bit. Oh, God. So he, he can teach Brody a lesson here. Yeah, he's just saying... Unconscious bias is the word. He, he, the he's saying, I saw moment, something, surely. it looks suspicious, so I arrested them. Now, if yeah. this is what he actually believes, or whether this is his cover story that but, he's trying to convince himself now, I don't but, know. But maybe, it, yeah, if it is unconscious bias, it must have been. Surely that's what it was then. But, you know, unconscious bias is a nice way of saying racism, isn't it? it yeah. But But what's the difference between unconscious bias... The, and seeing two people running away from, like, a mugging, and one of them's, like, a skinhead, and one of them's a granny. <laughs> yeah. Go after the skinhead, don't you? Even though the granny's probably got a big big bag that she could have but that, but, taken on the money. But how far do you take it, you know? How, how, far, how far is that an excuse? Mm. Because he's obviously, in his mind, decided that people equals criminal. That's what we're led to believe. This is such a difficult thing to talk about because I'm trying to be honest about everything that I'm thinking and talking through things and trying also to think about what other people might be saying or thinking. Not necessarily all things that I think myself. Yeah, I'm trying to put myself under the skin of a variety of characters here. I don't want... Like, some some people will be watching this at home going, this is all rubbish, of course it's right. Everybody's always so quick to say, oh... It's racism. If it's a white person and a black person, it's always going to be called racism. It's ridiculous. I don't know if these people are going to get to the end of... The way this has been presented, because it's so ambiguous, I don't know if they're going to get to the end of this and take out what everyone else is getting out of it, which was that, you know, this is this is difficult, but it does seem as though it was racist. Mm. Then one of the sad things about it is, however the storyline ends, it's not going to stop it from happening either, no. is it? So this current issue will be resolved. But if Curry, you know, wants to continue to reflect the experiences that the Baileys and and other people of colour go through, then it it will carry on. And Coronation Street's not always particularly good at carrying on certain issues, these stories, past the dramatic. We had this really awkward, woke conversation with Dev. And I can't remember why they were talking about being woke. But I think that this was, that was also, was it? What was that, was that to do with? I can't remember. They were all in the pub and they had a really cringy conversation. Well, I think it was after... Because um, we forgot about this as well. After Ed and the builder guy at the opening of the bistro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that guy was just obviously being a racist. And yeah. making, making monkey noises. Or what was he doing? No, he he, he said, um, you know, pay, pay peanuts if you want to employ monkeys That's or something. That's right. Like he that. said, yeah. And, and then everybody had that really cringy discussion... Where Dev was like, oh, "I'm woke." Do you remember that? No, but that I, really I remember felt... the episode. Um, and there were a couple of conversations like that between Steve and Tim in Wednesday's episode, weren't there? Well, Which some Tim... people thought were great, some people thought were awkward and cringy. Well, let me talk about it. So Tim's talking to Craig about what's happened in the bistro, and he's like, "I can't believe that um, James is going to be missing the start of the season." And then Steve and Tim start talking about white privilege, and. 
Tim is like, don't talk to me about white privilege. I've, I don't even know what that, what is that supposed to mean. I left school and I had a reading age of seven. <laughs> like, no, you didn't. You, literally you couldn't, couldn't read, read at all. That's, that's rude to seven-year-olds. I seven know some pretty literate seven-year-olds, actually. So, yeah, they were writing history here a little bit on Tim. But he's and, saying, and Steve, like... And Steve also said to him, well, you could go and test drive whatever car you wanted. And Tim's like, no, I couldn't. I couldn't get a, te- I couldn't get a test drive in a car like that. And, and Steve kind of ends that part of the conversation saying, well, we all have our problems, but they're not to do with the colour of our skin. Well, this is exactly the thing. I think if you're white and you don't believe in the concept of white privilege because you have had experience problems and stuff, at the end of the day, all of those problems happened, but they weren't because of the colour of your skin. So imagine if you also had that on top of everything else. That's the point of it. Mm. It's not saying that only bad things happen to people because of the colour of their skin. It's saying that you don't have to worry about that part. And that is a privilege. Yeah. That's no, something totally that, that I don't think that we even know how privileged that is. Not Just to not have to worry about or think about it. It is a privilege. But I think the word puts people off. I don't know. Do we need to think of a different way of explaining this to people? Because these conversation, this conversation happened between Steve and Tim and it was it was very interesting. But I don't know whether... It's going to, you know, everyone like Tim is going to get the message. Because you hear the word privilege, especially somebody like Tim. I mean, let's face it, he's lived a a really hard life. He was the husband of the mayor. He's got a conservatory. He's got a horse. (laughs) He's got two, he owns his own business twice over. Such a hard life he's had. Yeah. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, people. People who are really like the sort of person that Tim's supposed to represent, I again nothing like actually Tim himself. Word privilege doesn't really fit into their experience of the world, and they're always going to reject that moniker because they don't recognise it in their lives. So, I think people need to think of a different way. Of I think when people th- these kind of scenes will quite often make people think, oh, here we go, I'm being lectured to, and then you just automatically switch off as well, because it was clear, this one and the scene later was very clearly written as like, now we're going to now we're gonna teach you, you a lesson, everybody, yeah. racism's bad. Um, and, and It was... It, I, I was what... Because, I, I was almost not listening to what they were saying, because in the back of my head I was thinking, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is, which is bad, but I, I don't know. It, it, well, could, it could have been done a little more... Subtly, I mean, having having the two everyman characters of Steve and Tim was, you know, that, 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 like you said, they're the maybe the sort of people that Coronation Street wanted to hear. But I, I don't know. It just came across as not brilliant to me. But Steve, if they hadn't done it, then I'd be saying, why didn't they have people trying discussing about it? I, well, can I just point out that racism is not black people's that is not being created by black people. White people are the people that continue racism. So we're not going to get over, we're not going to be able to make progress unless white people discuss it. It's white people's problem and we need to sort it out. We need to be able to have these conversations with each other. And this is the, this it did show a bunch of white men talking unguardedly with each other in kind of a no-judgment-free zone without them thinking, I can't say this or I can't say that. Tim would not have ever said in front of um, any of the Baileys, oh, white privilege, what the hell is that? I don't have white privilege. Mm. But he was free to say it in front of Steve. And because Tim would never have said it to the Baileys, they would never have challenged his conception of what 
white privilege really means. Mm. And so he never would have learned. But because he could say it to Steve, yeah, he was able to work through what the concept actually is and how it applies to him. Mm. And the other thing is that Steve got a different perspective now because he has... Emma is his daughter. Yeah, because this is in the second conversation. They have a bit later on, isn't it? They talk about Emma and Steve says, look, she's not had the same experience as as the rest of us. So you, uh, I'm sure she must have been going through some similar issues like this in her life. It's really interesting to me, though, I have to say, and this is a criticism that the Baileys have come under quite often about that the storylines often revolve around racism and it's not the only and sole experience of black people that, you know, that's the only story that they can tell. Emma has been in the show for longer than the Baileys yeah, now yeah. and she's she's mixed race or dual heritage. I now no longer know what the correct term is because I'd never heard of dual heritage before. No, neither. Um, so... I'll, I'll use both terms until I get told differently. Um, she's not had any... We've never seen her have a racist storyline. No, Nobody's ever treated her differently on the show that we've been made aware of because of her mixed race. So no. what would sometimes wouldn't it make sense to give her some of these stories and wouldn't she be a bit more sympathetic to us? This is one of the criticisms of the Baileys as the focus for these stories is that they really haven't earned the love of many viewers. I personally like them. I really like them as a family. I'm, I think I like pretty much all of them individually. James is a bit dull. But yeah, I, I, I have no, I really like them. I especially really like Michael. Andrea Michael is by far my favourite. Grace is really... I'm really warming to Grace. She's got such a beautiful smile. Now she's not chewing a wasp all the time. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying her more. I just, I'm just very but frustrated like, about how little the Baileys are used, people, how for little they're integrated. Probably half the street didn't know any of this was going on because they didn't no, talk they to them. Know. Literally, it's them and maybe sometimes Steve and Tim. But if, if, if somebody was did something horrible to Emma and they were racist to Emma... I just think that people would react differently. Yeah, maybe. And if Coronation Street is trying to teach us about the real experience of black people in this country, mm. why not use Emma as well? Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really confused. I don't know whether it's because she is mixed race, but I certainly don't... There's also the argument that some people have said that it was a bit of a cop-out having uh, creating this new character in PC Brody to be yeah. the one that did this rather than getting an existing character to have done it and then having them you know, a character that you know and love and respect suddenly do something and you have, look at them in a different light or get to see them work their way through or have the conversation with their family or, or anything like that. I mean, I suppose we've got Craig that's now linked to it but if, I would have found it more interesting if Craig had been the one that pulled them over. But then I don't think they'd have done that because it'd have been a bit like throwing the character of, you know, Mister Nice the... Guy Craig under the bus. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. This is what oh, I don't know. It's just really complicated because <laughs> being this is the thing being being called a racist is such a hor- horrific thing to be called and such a massive loaded term that you'd rather just everybody everyone who's accused of it is going to say no i'm not no i can't be no Mm. i would never say anything like that so immediately makes you say no i couldn't you know instead of considering like it was that would i have acted in the same way if it was a white person you just shut down completely and go no it's not possible Mm. it's not possible at all yeah yeah um so yeah like you say that would be one of the worst things to you know i can the only other thing I can think of is like being a paedophile. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing else that's going to chuck a character in the bin faster. <laughs> I mean, no, you're right. even being a sexist, it's just a sort of funny, like, quirk, isn't it? Nobody cares about sexism as much as 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 racism. Obviously, some people do, but you're right. I no, don't think they, it would nobody, hit home not, in the same way. It's not way. a taboo. It's not a taboo at all. No. The same way that, but does that stifle conversation? Is what I'm trying to say. Mm. You know, if you if you like Brody's not even thinking. Oh, hang on a minute, because I don't know what the consequences for him would be if he said, "Oh God, you know what? Like, what, what would they do? Would they fire him or would they put him on a course?" Mm. because really you want to put him on a course hopefully you know? yeah and say okay well, if they fire him then he's just going to this you... resentment will continue to build and it could you know, well, turn out worse next time and the, and the other thing is can you unlearn this is this something that is a learned behaviour that you can unlearn or are you stuck are you going to only get worse the fact that it's can be called unconscious bias makes it seem like it's even harder to unlearn, isn't it? Because you don't even well, know that you, you that's what you think. That the course would, you know, uh, some kind of ed- education course or something. Mm. But then, you know, oh, you get people saying, oh, it's just brainwashing or whatever. It's so complicated, but you'd hope that... You'd hope that there would be some kind of... <laughs> or maybe they all just bung him on a course. And maybe. is that just a cop-out? I don't know, is it? Depends on whether Brody went into it's it. It's a cop-out on a course. <laughs> Do you think... <laughs> that he would listen to what he was being told. I don't, I don't know because I don't know him well enough. No. We don't know. We don't even know whether don't know that's what, what he was like. thinking in the first place. No. So, anyway. Um, they, we Steve and Tim have this very cosy discussion about hyperprivilege, which, you know, your mileage may vary on but what you thought of that. It was cringy, to be honest, but I think it was important to demonstrate that, you know, these discussions can be fostered. Yeah. Um, Craig finds them later, James and... No, Stephen. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, sorry, he's trying James to get Michael, James and Michael yeah. to drop the case. And says, look, I'm on your side, but you've got to pick your battles. What does that mean? And Michael's like, I am. This is important. I'm not dropping it. And Craig's like, good call. <laughs> what? He, yeah, he goes in there telling them to drop it and then realises that they are not letting not this one go. To. So he kind of... Rather than make himself look worse, says, "Yeah, you're well done, you for not dropping it and leaves." It's very, yeah, but awkward for him. He just wants everybody to be friends. That's him, doesn't he? I know. <laughs> uh, Tim and Steve have another chat about racism. This is the one oh, we talk about Emma. Yeah, yeah, talk about Emma. Back at home, the Bailey boys are arguing because uh, Michael's really focused on this, and James cares about his career more and the fact he's got an operation. And Grace jumps in and says, "Michael was doing nothing wrong." by trying to report this then Brody sees Craig later and says I'm going to make my statement um when I saw James I what have I written here when he's uh, I don't know what he's saying yeah but I think he basically he says, I think he oh, says no, he, he says you went to see Michael and James earlier you weren't able to get them to change the, the statement the, the, the complaint and then he you? says listen right when you talk to them when they ask you what happened can you say um, that I said, uh, don't tell them I thought that they were driving okay. Because that makes me look like a liar. No, he, sa- but he says, because Craig only saw them driving normally. He said, they, they seem fine to oh, me. Okay. And Brody says, don't tell the super that when he asks you. And yeah. so Craig is... Uh, Craig is... This is difficult here, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, on the surface... It shouldn't affect anything. 
but it is the crux of the case, isn't it? Yeah. How were they driving? And the thing is, if they were driving fine and they're not later, that doesn't make Brody a liar, does it? No. Just because they, you know, because the gears went wrong, didn't they? Yeah. I think. I don't, I don't understand. <sighs> so, but, but now we're getting to see Craig being embroiled in, you know, police protecting one another. Because it's piggy in the middle. Well, it is, isn't it? Because because Craig believes intrinsically in the good of Brody, is he going to change his statement or or leave that bit out? Because he thinks, well, I don't want him to get in trouble because for something he hasn't done. Mm. The odd thing with this, I thought, was that we didn't that this element of the story kind of dropped off on Friday, didn't it? Because that was more about James's operation and and Michael and Grace. I don't think. Do we see Craig at all on Friday? No. We, don't, we don't know what he said so in his statement. We don't know what he did. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Like, is he... Because is it, you know, would he justify it by going, oh, it's not lying, it's just not adding something in? I, I think that he might try and defend um, Brody, Brody. Or, or just he, he'll go along with his story, but then maybe he'll see Brody doing something that makes him think, no, actually, this guy is a racist. Can I go back and change my yeah. statements or something? The thing is about so this is it that it's just... A white person, Craig, not believing a black person, Michael and James, about what they've experienced themselves. Mm. You know, Michael and James are saying to him, "It was this was racist. And Craig's like, no, it wasn't. No, no, no. Like, why wouldn't they know? That's mm. the thing. When somebody comes to you and tells you something that they would know... <laughs> And he I just uh, Craig comes across as being very naive I know, that's about good, the world. No, the it's is, really but, not. But, but what stands out to me, I think, is that he didn't ask them what happened. Didn't they? He asked Brody what happened, but he didn't ask them. No, I don't think he did, did he? He went round, he said to Brody what happened, and Brody's like, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong. And then he went round to see James and, and Michael, and he didn't go, look, guys, what actually happened here? He would have he seen said, the, the, the video. He saw online. a little bit of it. And he's heard Brody's, Brody's side, but he didn't say, guys, what what makes you say this? Why, you know, mm. he said, look, this wasn't racism, so stop complaining. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. So go on Friday. Um, God, no, we haven't had Grace telling Michael, I've restarted your t-shirt oh, business. Oh, yeah, that's right. And now we're selling your printed bra- baby grey designs. And then she says, just remind me, why aren't we back together? Fancy a trip down memory lane? And they go upstairs for a <laughs> shag. Because apparently that's, what was that, the end of memory lane? <laughs> yeah. It um, <laughs> goes straight to lover's lane. <laughs> Friday, morning after, Michael's not really, <laughs> Michael's thinking he's made a big mistake, but he's got other things on his mind as well. Um, he he says he doesn't regret what's happened, but I I think he does a little bit. He goes to see James in hospital with Uncle Ronnie, and when he gets there, when uh, Ronnie's asking him about Grace, and he's like, "Oh, is it complicated? <laughs> maybe says we hooked up. Maybe we can make it at work." The crotch. <laughs> Grace, <laughs> James is coming around from his operation. He's worrying about um, taking two months off and being forgotten. Who could forget you, James? <laughs> Back at the street. Sometimes the Baileys have been off the show for two months and we still know who you are when you come back, don't worry. <laughs> back on the street, Michael is feeling a bit hopeless about James and Ronnie's like, we just got to support him. Then, um, is it Ronnie? I think it's Michael sees Grace yeah. saying goodbye to somebody coming out of their house who's some kind of toff. With, with... leather patches on his elbows. Yeah, and, and she doesn't mention who this is. So he comes in 
Um, and when she, they're in the they're in the house together, she goes upstairs and he picks her phone up and starts looking at it. And Ronnie comes in and is like, that's Grace's phone. I'd recognise it a mile away. It's very distinctive. Why are you looking at it? And he says, oh, I saw this man. And then somehow Ronnie knows this man is a guy who wants to bulk buy baby grows and it's a surprise and a secret that Grace is keeping from Michael. And then he's like, I regret sleeping with Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Not 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 the the strongest end to the week for this particular story. No, it was a bit strange because yeah, like it I felt said, like they needed a little bit more. Needed. As the week's going on, I'm just thinking to myself, this is going to be uh, difficult to talk about on the show. I don't know what I'm going to say, and then how? What are they going to end this with on Friday? What kind of bombshell? And I'm not going to have any time to think about how to talk about it and then they were just like oh baby gross <laughs> oh she's she's loves him and he doesn't like her oh knee operation do you think he's gonna break her heart i feel bad for Gra- I, I feel bad for both of them Grace, in this situation because like, already said, like you said I'm, I'm she's so happy at the moment yeah. she's got such an amazing smile and when she beams at him she hasn't smiled this much for months has she no now she thinks she's got everything she wants and I was think- looking at her when they were in the cafe at one point with, I think they had the baby with him I can't remember and she was just like I was just looking at her going you've got everything haven't you you've got your baby you've got your boyfriend everything's going and you've got you know a business is coming along everything's going pretty well for you at the moment Grace you seem really happy but now Michael's gonna like you say I think he's gonna break her heart because let's remember she was a bit of a psychopath. She, she was. I, the, fir- the farther away we're getting about from that, I kind I of forget sometimes. I'm, I forgive her ages ago for that, really, but it wasn't me that was affected. No, I loved it because it, it made a, a brilliant moment when, it was was the, when the reveal came, didn't it? So. That was really fantastic. <laughs> but Michael's such a, a nice guy. I'm not Michael's surprised that he's lovely. finding it difficult to tell her. And yeah. also, he's he might think, well, if I tell her this now, I've gone this far down. If I tell her, sorry, I, I'm, I'm not into you or whatever, we can't have this. And he's probably worried that she's going to go off again, take Gloria, uh, Glory, sorry, with her, and that's the last he'll see of his daughter. But I think if he's if he's really not into it, he shouldn't force himself for the baby's sake. Oh, ooh, so many difficult situations there in this a week. little family. <laughs> it was it, it, it was nice to get a bit more meat for the Baylors this week. Again, though, you know, I think we've already said this many times, but the the racism story for the Baileys, another one. Is it? We have had this. We've had this conversation so many times. Is it? They're the only family that you can do these stories with. So you either never talk about racism on Coronation Street or you well, give these stories you could to give it to the Nazirs, couldn't you? Have they, have they had true. any racism? Well, Alia got attacked by those nasty racists um, a couple of years ago, didn't they? Didn't she? I mean, sorry. And then um, Luke attacked them. This was, this was on the week but that Luke got shot is, by though, Phelan a few weeks ago. You can't lump everybody of colour into the same group. And different groups have, di- you know, different struggles. Mm. So um, I don't know that similar... I don't know... That, for example, if if Dev and Ardy were in a sports car, would the cop have gone... I can imagine you know? Dev in a sports but car, he'd love it. <laughs> also, there's a bit of ageism in here as well. Because if, it, yeah. Ronnie, if Ronnie and um, and Ed had been in the sports car, would he have 
pulled them over then? I think Ronnie would have got away with it because he looks a bit swish, oh, yeah. but Ronnie's with Ed with a, his bobble hat. Ronnie's got, a, Ronnie's got a flat cap, so he looks like he's definitely a sports car driver. And he's got very, he's got very unusual lapels. I was looking at him. <laughs> he's got like a really wide open V and very thin lapels. Oh, no wonder Jenny was uh, took him right Four. up those stairs. Check out that stitching. Anyway, I, I thought that they did, I thought they did all right with this story this week. I really, really enjoyed Michael in it. And I know I like him anyway. And I'm also very well aware that lots of viewers don't like Michael but this week just made me like him even more I, I loved how he was you know He's fighting lovely. for his cause I loved how he was fighting for his brother I liked how excited he was getting about Honestly, the car about the baby grows and everything I, I very 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 much enjoyed Michael this week I'm also really enjoying the dilemma and the conflict between James and Michael about what whether to say anything because mm. I totally sympathise with both of them and it's really well crafted this part of the story because you can completely understand each person's reasons for why. So you've got James going, I don't want to be, you know, painted into this situation where I'm, you know, the gay black footballer who's always kicking off about something. I don't want my reputation to be the difficult one. And Mike and J- Michael's going, yeah, but you can't just be, you know, you've been a bit selfish and cowardly because think about Glory. If we stand up now... In the future, she might never even know what what it's like, mm. you know. What what would it be, you know? What would the future be for for Glory where this didn't happen ever? Yeah, and I don't know whether Michael actually thinks, like I was saying earlier, that he can actually change things. But if you don't well, you try, then... yeah, you can't just carry on mm, yeah, not exactly, saying anything. Yeah. What benefit? This is the thing. Is it of benefit to him? No, no. What's he going to lose? He's not going to lose mm. anything. Perhaps James would. Yeah, but. Um, I think the other thing with Michael is that he's that much older than James, so he's probably he's had more experience of this naturally, just because he has been living alive. longer. <laughs> Although I always get their ages mixed up because it's confusing about the fact that Ryan Russell is actually younger than than Nathan is, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Michael's supposed to be a lot older than James. But yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was quite good, I quite think nicely handled, this, but the bit clunky with Steve and Tim. I really, really would have liked the Baileys to have settled in for a bit longer than they have been before they tackled this storyline because I think that, unfortunately, the Baileys aren't that popular. You're getting all the football puns in at the moment, tackling, kicking off. <laughs> <laughs> They've been long enough. They've Two been... years should be long enough for a family to be on the street. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Because, the, look, you remember when we were talking about the McDonald's and they really had... Don't, don't go past all that. Sorry, I'm just Michael's scrolling. moving the notes about. Um, the McDonald's weren't a popular family before... Liz had her miscarriage. Yeah. And that really helped cement... Yeah, the McDonald's the on the street. That, that was two the, or three years in, maybe, for them. The Battersby's. Yeah. They were hated when they first came in. God knows what made them popular. I, I really... <laughs> I, I don't I know. I don't know whether they ever were, really. But the Baileys... They certainly toned them down. What's been the Baileys' watershed moment for turning the tide Well, of, I think they wanted it to be the Stephen Lawrence Day story from last year, but unfortunately that... Okay, everything with the Baileys just seems to be in little pockets. Like, they'll have a little story for a few weeks and then that's them done. I suppose this year we've seen more Baileys than we ever have before, especially with, with the injection of Ronnie into the mix. But there, there hasn't, you're right, there hasn't been the moment that's made people go, all right. Well, I'm going to say, perhaps this is controversial, that a racism storyline is never going to be the thing that makes them popular. Maybe, it's maybe not. It's not going to work because... Um, People are, so, first of all, there's a massive group of people who don't even believe this is a problem. Secondly, there's a group of people who sort of 
subconsciously know but get defensive and don't want to hear about it because it's uncomfortable and those feelings are going to get in the way of them of of that group of people going oh yeah i like the baileys Mm. there are still you see people now when you look at the comments on social media oh great the baileys another racism storyline yeah they really we needed the baileys to be hunkered in and beloved before this can be and, and you know it isn't fair it isn't fair at all it's not fair on on black people or and it's not fair on the characters of the baileys or the actors mm. but i'm just being realistic about no, you're what, right, yeah, I, what I think of people and unfortunately there are some although there are some really great people there are some really crap people and there's no there's no barrier to stop them from watching coronation street <laughs> Well, we will see where this goes, won't we? I'm quite interested in say the Craig dynamic is quite interesting. Um he's going to Yeah, he's going to really have to question his beliefs and how well he knows his and, colleagues and I mean, we haven't said this outright, but I think it's obvious from what we're saying and you guys probably realise that we're both white. So talking about this is difficult and we don't have it I haven't experienced any of this. I think one of the things that um, Craig said this week, which just shows how much how difficult it can be for white people to talk about it, was when he said, "Oh yeah, well you try growing up with ginger hair," and Steve was like, "That's nothing to do it's with it." To do with it's it. like you're trying to find something that you can. Well, everybody tries to think of a way, like you know, put themselves in their shoes. Yeah, and and sometimes those what's the word comparisons can feel um, insulting. Yeah. But, you know, if it's part of you you trying to understand somebody, then certainly I don't think anyone should mock him. I think it was unfortunate. But again, sometimes you've got to say these things and be awkward and um, be prepared to be wrong and be prepared to say, to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you'll learn. And, you know, if I've said the wrong thing tell me but you know I've, I'm trying to be upfront about everything and like I said never have experienced obviously anything that the babies have had to go through and trying to yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know. No, I think I think we're doing all right. I think let let's get on to. Well, this is the other thing. I don't want it. Also, it's not about how people being uncomfortable, and it's certainly not something I'm. You know, I'm not trying to get out of talking about it or like trying to excuse myself. But it's just you know that yeah. is the, that's the situation. It isn't it isn't something that it's easy to talk about, and that's probably the reason why it festers. Mm. Well, we've we've, we've managed a whole hour talking about it so far, haven't we? So I think it's time to move on to less controversial ground with the Todd Tide Turning storyline and his uh his un- unveiling his uh, as a as a nasty manipulator this week, which I knew was coming because I'd seen um, previews of it. But the actual way it happened, I didn't know what was going to happen there, and also the how it continued on Friday certainly didn't go down the route that I was expecting it would. So um, let's let's remind ourselves what happened there. Uh, we start off with Ardy at the beginning of the week who finds Summer trying to help out Will um, over the phone, or I think. No, there was he there, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, he, she's on the phone with him trying to find some online courses for him for something or other. Um, and Ardy's trying to be cool with Summer because he's got this little crush on her that's been developing over the last <laughs> few weeks. Finally, we're going to get a bit of Summer loving next week or the week after, maybe. Um, he he makes some kind of remark about her being perfect the way she is and calls her buddy, which he ends up cringing to himself about. So um, 
but again, not much happens with there. Um, Summer gets asked to be the, the, the bridesmaid, groomsmaid, whatever it is, at um, Billy and Todd's wedding later. She gets a nice pendant for it. And then she gets taken to the factory where Nina's going to be designing her a bridesmaid dress. Nice to see Nina again. She's still not gone gothic again, is she? She's still back in her civvies. Um, and also, it's important to mention, because many people um, discuss this on our Facebook group, Sally is making the dress. Nina's just designing it. Yes, that's right. So Nina shows them some sketches later. She's like, oh, are there any de- is there a deadline for this? And they're like, oh, no, not yet. Todd seems to be hinting to Billy that they really should be starting to set a date by this point. So they go back home. Is there some kind of mix-up or something no, about the... When they're, the when they're measuring, Nina or... measures her and then and then she gets the measure measurements. Yeah. And then Summer's like, is that right? Oh, I missed that. She measures her again. And when they go home, Summer's put out... Because she's put weight on. Yeah, and and they and the, and Billy and Todd say, "Well, we didn't even notice. It's probably consequence of your your, your insulin or whatever. You're absolutely fine. Well, she lost. Healthy. She lost Don't a lot of weight because she was ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now she's put some back, back on, but she is a teenage girl. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna. And gonna she's not gonna her. be thrilled. So the big um, unveiling was Wednesday. Then, so Billy and Todd are planning their wedding in the cafe. Um, getting advice advice from the le- local technology guru Roy, who says that smart albums are all the thing at the moment. What I the lo- hell is that? I think he's. I think it was where he said that you, you, the guests can take their own photos on their mobiles and then it gets uploaded to an uh, online cloud. compendium or something. It just seems like a cheap way of having to not have a wedding photographer, I would say. Um, <laughs> but I, I did find it amusing that Roy was the one who was offering up advice well, he on He says this. that people often plan their weddings in the, in Roy's roles and leave their wedding magazines behind which i think is all a bit of a front for him collecting wedding wedding magazines there's nothing wrong with it right he probably does it for mary so she can put them all into a massive folder so summer meets will at the tram stop later um she invites herself along to this college open day with him that she was looking for bits for online the other day um we don't get to see any of that obviously but they come back later it all seems to have gone well Will's not sure that they're going to want him, though. He's a bit down on himself. Um, but then Summer mentions something or other about um, Todd has spent a £1,000 um, bailing Billy out of um, situation or, or, or by being able to spend it on a honeymoon or, or something about that. Whatever, it just kind of gets dropped into the conversation that Todd has got this £1,000 rattling around his bank account and he has um, and Bill's intrigued as to where he might have got that Will from. Will is intrigued. Well, he's not really intrigued. He knows exactly where he's, he's got Bill. it from. Will, Will, not Bill. So so this is the money that um, Todd creamed off the, the heat pump funds. Creamed off? Yeah, he, he gave Will £4,000 back or did, something, doesn't he? I've never heard the phrase creamed off. I'm sure that's a phrase. Um, so he, Will get, takes someone to the cafe and tells her everything about what Todd's been up to, i.e. he used me to, to get in between Billy and Paul. He was able... He um, got Paul to... Um, it's because of me and Todd, I suppose, that that Paul lost his job at the call centre, blah, blah, blah. He says that Todd's a sociopath um, and Summer at first doesn't want to believe this. She calls um, Will a jealous, nasty child. She says, no, you're the sociopath, actually. But she kind of... She, Why not she both? Knows, she knows it's true because she's, she knows Todd. She knows what people say about Todd and this certainly sounds very much like his MO. <laughs> it's not something you'd be like, he would never do do any of those things. No. Um... <laughs> So and at home, Todd notices that Summer's a little bit been a bit off with him, and she says, "Oh, Will told me something interesting," and then explains what she knows, what she been, what 
Will's told her. Todd obviously denies it all and says, well, you need to stay away from that one from now on. But he's uh, looking a bit worried. Um, later on in the um, in Victoria Street, Will bumps into Paul, who wants absolutely nothing to do with him, understandably. Um, and then Will sends him a video message. At first, we see Todd has... Sorry, Paul has received this message, but just kind of says, no, I'm not having anything to do with that. Um, and he walks off. Um, however... This becomes very important in the Victoria Garden scene later, which is the um, launch party for this calendar. And we'll get to the calendar bits of it later. Don't worry. But basically... We'll get to it. Hardly anybody's turned up for this character launch, apart calendar, from... Calendar, not character. Calendar launch, didn't I say that? Hardly anyone's turned up for this calendar launch, except for, very handily, <laughs> everybody that's involved in the Billy and Todd storyline. Nobody else is invited. You've got no to be invited. No, no, which was odd. Um, but anyway, oh, and Ardy's there as well, but I suppose he's tangentially related as well, what with him sniffing after summer. Uh, Paul's loitering around, looking very shifty. Um, Emma's there as the, um, the, 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 the host of the, uh, of the afternoon. And she says, right, before we launch the calendar, we're going to show you a behind the scenes video of making the shoot. But then... It's Todd's video. Is an incriminating video oh, that's played. Gosh. It's the one that Will filmed from him the other week. Gulp says Todd. <laughs> um, he tries. He tries, although not very hard, to be fair, to get them to turn the video off. He just is like glued to his seat. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was just completely terrified, terrified. Know, that he, he couldn't get up for a, until nearly all the video played was, to unplug honestly, it himself. It was like he wanted everyone to watch it because he's like, no, please. Oh, he's got me at the right angle here. Um, so he, he he goes and unplugs it. Summers drops off, followed by Ardy. Todd tries to appeal to Billy's better nature. Um, but then Todd, Billy has to stop himself getting biblical on Todd's ass, doesn't he? Because he says... <laughs> he's so tough, isn't he? He's he goes, really tough. Oh, the sixth commandment says thou shalt not kill. I'm really struggling with that by now. <laughs> <laughs> and then this got us into a thing on Twitter oh, where, yeah. where we thought that the sixth commandment was thou shalt not commit adultery because when you search the Ten Commandments on Google, that's what it says. But apparently the different denominations have got different order for the Ten Commandments, which Tony Maudsley pointed out to us on Tony Twitter. Tony Maudsley told us the right way. <laughs> he around. told us the Anglican way, which Billy would have obviously um, yeah, I think been referring to. Yeah, it's fair to, to say... That Billy's a massive Anglican. Yes. Um, anyway, Paul is there looking insanely smug. And news news alert, I still don't like Paul anymore this week. And I find it <laughs> it's so really difficult to root for him. He's If he's not being angry and grumpy, he's being smug and smarmy like he was today. And I know that you know, he's not the only smarmy character in this story. I'm very much aware of this, but I just could not be- get behind Paul in the slightest this week. Um, later in the summer, in the cafe, <laughs> later in the summer, <laughs> later on, later that month, later in the cafe, Summer tells Ardy that she might have a reputation for being a brain box, but she's never felt more stupid because why didn't I realise that Todd was a massive wrong one? And Ardy's saying, Oh no, you're perfect, you're wonderful, Summer, you're never, you never should have known that. Uh, Paul comes in and she apologises for ever doubting him, so he's got her forgiveness at least. Um, back home Todd tries to excuse himself to Billy I don't know why Billy even let him in the flat honestly Todd's like saying I never meant any of this to happen Billy notices that Todd doesn't even try to say sorry and Todd gives the great line sorry it's for wimps look oh, at I love that. that look at the lengths I went to to try and get you back doesn't it prove that I love you this was so I love this so much it was so dramatic so Todd and yeah. it was so like such a soap character thing like when he 
said when he said that i'm not sorry i just thought wow this is like old hollywood you know you can just imagine him going sorry it's for whims look at all the legs i've gotten to win you back darling I like to. Like with a cigarette holder and like a big a big chiffon scarf. I, I could totally see <laughs> it, I could certainly see Todd saying sorry because, you know, wanting to get Billy back and everything, but he was just being honest and I think that I think that goes to show how desperately he loves Billy. That's like, so do I, totally. Very honestly, I'm not gonna try and fake it and say that I'm sorry for trying to come between you and you I and would Paul. literally do anything. Yeah. And, 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 you know, people will say, oh, it's not really love. He's a psychopath. He can't feel love. I, d- I honestly think he does. I really, really totally and truly believe that Todd loves Billy yeah. and Summer. And I don't think that, that it's sort of helpful to, because in, in, this is just a fictional story, to kind of, you know, break it down to like, oh, is he just obsessed or is he just, he doesn't, he, he, lo- he doesn't love him, but he doesn't want Paul to have him or whatever. I really honestly think as a fictional character... I believe him. I really believe that that is... And he's, uh, you know, for, for the last... It's certainly very toxic, but... Oh, yeah, definitely. Mean it's not a real emotion. But for the last, you know, 15, 20 years of his life, the way that he's got by is by ducking and diving and cheating and uh, and all this. Um, and so it, I think it's natural for him to re- revert to that if he's trying to... Well, look, we said this his before man. about um, the story the Yasmin and Jeff story about coercive control and is it a calculated strategy or is it just sort of a maladaptation of a a coping strategy for, you know, trying to keep hold of somebody that you love. And I think that you can kind of argue the same for Todd. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's very toxic. I don't think it's purposeful. It's just literally the way he operates and his brain works yeah. in, a, in a manipulative he way. He knows and what he wants and this is how he's going to get it. He can't relate to people in any other way. No, no. Well, it doesn't work on Billy anyway. <laughs> no. He slings him out. That's so he weird, calls him a psychopath. <laughs> so Todd ends up in the robes, ordering himself a pint of cyanide. Um, David and Paul are there though and it's not long before Todd kind of reads the room and, and realises he's not welcome so yeah, he slopes off. I often get caught off guard by... David and Paul's friendship, but actually they, they bring it in every now and again, don't they? they? But share the, reason... the cell together, yeah, exactly. And that's why Paul. Yeah, I always see seeing people on Twitter or ever say, "Why what's David got to do with this?" But yeah, they yeah they did know each other. They've well, known he was... each other longer than Paul's known anyone else on the street, apart, apart from, from Gemma, Gemma, of course, Bernie. Um, so <laughs> Summer comes home at the end of the episode. She has a bit of a moat with how sad the whole situation is, and they both agree that Todd has had them all fooled. But then at the end of the episode. How how the tables have turned, Todd gets arrested because oh, no. Billy's called the cops on him. What? Yeah, I know. And I they're know. all done with racially profiling people, so they got they're free now. Well, yeah, what what prejudice do they have against Todd, I wonder? Uh looks a bit slimy. <laughs> um so this this is an Can obvious I... um, call back to what, two weeks ago was it when Paul was arrested? Or maybe yeah, I think so, when um when they were watching yeah. Him getting carted off, and, and um, now Todd has got a taste of his own medicine. Uh, now, can I just say how, um, what a pair of bloody melodramatic Victorian swooning heroines Billy and Summer turned out to be in Friday's episode. 
like, oh, we've been betrayed. We can never trust anyone ever it's mo- again. It's mostly Billy, really. Someone's got her own problems, hasn't well, she? Well, someone literally with, with diabetes. <laughs> so, you know, so what a pair of tragic heralds They, they start off on Friday's episode and Billy's de-toddifying the flat there. He seems to be giving Todd's things to... Like homeless people, which is you no, know. No, he gave it to Eileen. We saw it. Look, I, I thought at the okay. beginning of the episode he, he was going to. He did say he was going to. I thought that he said that as well, but I don't know. Anyway, it's not he's... down to you. Give your own shoes to homeless people. <laughs> he says he's got. He's already given him his um, house, his archdeacon's house, to homeless people, isn't he? Well, it's a bit of an arsy thing as well to give them like. Oh, here you go. It's a pair of dress shoes. Well, why are you giving this to me? <laughs> because I'm being a spiteful asshole to my boyfriend. <laughs> well, you know I don't need dress shoes. How about a nice fleece or? something? something <laughs> um they they um they, billy says that i owe paul a massive apology i really need to go and speak to him probably should have found him before friday but now, maybe paul wasn't in the mood then it was really fun watching you on friday because you hate paul now don't you i just i just <laughs> i really want to like him and i really <laughs> like how peter ash is a massive nintendo fan so i'm so conflicted here but i just can't watch paul, paul without going without being wound bum, up by he's just so he's just angry and 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 Neanderthalish. He's just and, like an angry troglodyte. Yeah, and 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 I totally get how he's been through the ringer. Yeah, he he's had some tough times since he's been in the street. <laughs> yeah, he he's really had Kelcho back up on yeah. the street. He's been he's put t- past and put into post. He's had his awful, his awful mum. Um, he's he's obviously had all of this birth to four kids. Yeah, exactly. If that's not going to turn, one you of his in. nephews is deaf. <laughs> but I just—if anyone deserves I find to be him an arsehole, really, really difficult to sympathise with. Honestly, it's just because he's so grumpy and squinty all the time. It's just like, oh, oh, typical. Yeah, Talk so mean. Yeah, it's. I think it's the way that he just accepts every tragic thing that happens to him is like typical. Mm. It, it really is. It really you know what is. I mean? Like he's. It, it should be kind of stoic and brave and kind of Eeyore-ish, but it's not. It's just, like, even more irritating. He's like, oh, of course, of course I knew this would happen to me. Oh, nothing good happens to Paul. Nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not not in, a, like, a, a curly way, because he was similar to that, wasn't he? Like, everything always goes wrong to me, but I, just, I, don't know, I well, found that been... a lot more endearing. It's not endearing at all, is he? Um, so lots of people really like Paul, though, don't they? And lots of people are saying, well, he's better off without... Billy or Todd, because I mean, at this point, I mean, for a long time, we've been assuming that Billy and Paul will naturally just fall into each other's arms again. And some people have been saying, "No, uh, Paul, you're better than better than him. You need to find yourself something better." So I'm sorry for all the Paul fans out there. I I, I right want in if to you're like a Paul him. Fan. Well, well, I'm sure lots of Paul fans do. Right, and I, I want to like him. I really struggle. So, um, Billy oh, no, goes. It's, it's delicious for Billy, me to watch. Billy goes and takes some of Todd's stuff over to Eileen, who is in no way supportive of her son's behaviour here. She says he's not going to be stopping with me very much longer, actually. Todd sees Billy, tries to chase him down the road. Uh, we find out that he's been given community service after this arrest. Um, I for don't know whether we'll pump. see any of that. Um, he desperately trying to tell Billy that he loves him, but he's getting no sympathy from Billy. Billy takes his ring off, checks it at him. Aww. It is over. <laughs> I tell you what, even though Todd is so evil and manipulative, and I would... I can't help but feel sorry for him. Yeah, I know. And I just don't know what Coronation Street are wanting me to think. I feel like they're trying to make me love Paul and hate Todd and think that he's getting what's coming to him but I'm just completely the opposite See, does that make me right. some kind of sociopath I don't know Billy's there in the street 
um, going, Todd, you ruined everything. You ripped my heart out. You're a manipulative monster. You're evil. You're so Machiavellian. I can't trust you. You're a liar and you admit it. And and Todd's going, oh, I'm, oh I won't even say I'm sorry because I did it because I love you. And I'm going, Billy, Todd's too good for you. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a lot of people that aren't fans of Billy online as well, aren't there? He's he's um, he's waned in popularity. He really, really. I think has. the drug story was a massive mistake for. Well, him. it's then he comes back and he's all you know high and mighty and uh, pompous and everything. And people think, are saying, yeah. yeah. So Todd tries to get Eileen to let him back in, but she's like, nope. Billy says he's done with you. Well, so am I. She's oh. obviously very sad about this. And I thought it was a nice little this scene. This is not like, like the first or the last time Eileen oh, has told Todd that he's too much of a monster to live in her house. Oh, I know, totally. Then isn't the last time that that happened, or one of the many times it just was, that's when he went off and got himself beaten up and got that scar, you know, that Ooh, that yeah. scar that would be with him, mark him for the rest of his life. All he had to do was swap his head around. Yeah. That, that was when she threw him out. But yeah, what I did appreciate was they had a scene inside number 11 where she shuts the door down and she just let a little bit on the verge of tears. They didn't need to do that at all, but I thought that was quite nice. I was glad, to, by the way, that Eileen featured in um, Friday's episode because we've seen so little of Sue Cleaver this past year and like she wasn't in it on Wednesday's episode for the big um, denouement of, of Pod. Pod? That's a different programme. Um, well, that's if Paul and Todd get together, which doesn't seem likely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I appreciate that they brought her in on Friday. Anyway, uh, Billy goes to, to catch up with Paul, says that I want to take you for an apology brew at Roy's. Paul says, I'd rather have pint and a hot pot, actually. Thank you very much. Uh, meanwhile, Ardy and Summer are uh, having their chips at, in Victoria Gardens. He offers us some fruity cider. Um, I thought it was an Alco pop at first, but it's one of those things that you enjoy. Recorderlig. A bit of recorderlig or a bit of... Um, Copperberg. Yeah. She's not sure what with her diabetes and everything, but she's uh, decided well, he's that like, oh, one yeah. won't hurt. He goes, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm so stupid. Oh, I shouldn't have even said anything. She's like, oh, one won't hurt. You know? I loved it when he said, um, to be honest, I don't like... What's he said? I don't like lager. I'll be bad yeah, from good. a street cred. Yeah, good. I just love everything I love do with Ardy. Ardy. I love how... I mean... Um, Asher's the the big nerd in the family, but I like how he's kind of a bit. He is a nerd uncool as, well, he, as well, but he doesn't want to be. Whereas I think that um, Asher's fine with it. <laughs> um, so Todd goes to the Undertaker's and tells George he's leaving town. He wants his wages. George, good on him. I say. I I've been unsure. I've been with... unsure with about George recently. What is wrong with George? He's an idiot. He he says, "Oh, Todd, I can see that you're messed up. I know that you're suffering." Um, he, he has this incredibly vague attempt Whoa. at a backstory dump where yeah. he says, "Oh, I've messed up in the past." Yeah, hang on. And then when he said that, you were like, "Oh, here comes a good story." And then he yeah, just... backstory time. No, no. We have to just leave it to our own imagination about exactly how George messed up in the past vaguely, and then had to work hard to make it up to somebody or other. Something bad happened, and I did it. I hope that we find out what this is. Well, what is George's way, dark secret? If they don't know yet, I'm glad they haven't committed themselves to something that they'll then retcon later on. I'm going to be wondering about that for a now. Yeah, but then it will never, they'll never bring it up again. Mm. Anyway, he tells Todd that you need to start showing you're sorry. It's all very well saying it, but you need to show it. Um, so Billy, meanwhile, is also showing he's sorry to Paul by groveling to him in the pub. Paul is not going to let him off that easily, though, which I thought was mightily refreshing. As I said, I mm. thought that Paul would just be like, oh, I just did it because... I've I just been grumpy because I love you and oh I'm so glad that you've seen the era of Todd Ways let's get back together and um, we can get married now um, but no he doesn't um, he kind of 
he ends like, up walking off, doesn't he, down the street. Meanwhile, um, Todd is um, still with George. He's very appreciative of his advice and he's decided he's going to stay in Weatherfield for a bit longer. Um, he sees Adi in the street who tells him that Summer's gone back home because she was feeling a little bit woozy after the cider that she had earlier. Todd um, has, has little mm. alarm bells ringing. He um, goes home, <laughs> kicks the door down after hammering on it for like 30 seconds or so um, and finds Summer passed out on the floor. Can I take this opportunity to say that characters finding other characters passed out on the floor is no longer having any impact on me. We've We've had it a little bit too much recently. I know it's mostly been Peter, but is, is this even the first time that... Didn't Summer just collapse quite recently? Isn't that how we found out that she had a diabetes? There's lots of collapsing. Uh, yeah, find, finding other characters unconscious, it's getting a bit too tropey. And it's really obvious, either, it's even more obvious, because you can't go out... It's still COVID restrictions. Yeah, none of the characters can go up to them. So they just N- go, oh no, so-and-so's on the floor, I've yeah. phone an ambulance. Ne- never do I watch it and go, oh my gosh, are they dead? It's like, no, oh, here we go, do. another trip to the hospital. Now maybe if they did it with Curtis... I might go, oh, is he actually dead? That would be quite intriguing. Maybe that's why they're doing it. Maybe they're trying to um, lull us into a false sense of security about characters collapsing. So when Curtis is found um, passed out on the floor at some point, we'll go, he'll be fine. But no, he'll actually be dead. He'll be dead. Um, Anyway, so, oh no. Um, Billy finds out about this in the street from Ardy, doesn't he? Because he's just been trying to uh, chase Paul down the road. Um, Who who tells Billy that... um, he he tells Billy, you're not good enough for me. Um, and then Paul tells Billy he's not good enough for him. Paul, Paul, Paul says, says to Billy, Billy you, you Billy. Billy, are not good enough for me, Paul Foreman. Good. Um, and then it kind of all gets interrupted by Hardy coming along and saying, watch out, Summer's been taken into hospital. So they, they go on along there. Todd's explaining what happened about how he found her. Um, it basically just gets into another argument between Todd and Paul. I love and this. Todd's... <laughs> I can't remember what Paul said that um, made Todd react in this way. He's like, I saved her, you plank. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Yeah, he's a plank, isn't he? He's a total plank. I think that's a perfect description of Paul sometimes. But I also love the fact that Todd was, like, Billy and Paul were absolutely not interested in lauding uh, Todd as the hero at all in the situation. No. And Todd, you can tell, half expected this I know, to... This is how it works, isn't it? Aren't yeah. I supposed I to save the her. day and then you say, you well, me. you're not so bad after all? Yeah. But no, it didn't work out that way, no, did it? No, it makes him Yet, leave. yet. He tells, her, yeah, he tells him to beg her off home. So in the cafe later, Eileen hears George telling Mary about Todd staying and everything. And he says, um, I'm giving him one more chance, which is quite naive of him. But he's not known Todd for anywhere near as long as Eileen has. Or anyone, yeah. I mean, he has had quite a few experiences of Todd doing un- unforgivable behaviour and... He's- Taking Honestly, money and how spending. How many times has he nearly fired this kid? I know, I know, but um, he's he's he a, is a bit of an idiot. Now, honestly, he is. But I like to. But you know, George can tell that that Todd is a main character, and as a sort of a, a new character himself, he obviously wants to attach himself to a popular, more long-standing person. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense from that perspective. Well, I think it's just because he's, he's uh, Eileen's son, and he thinks if I can. I can work my magic on Todd and turn him to him into an upstanding citizen of Weatherfield. Then maybe Eileen will will take me There's to bed. There's definitely or easier ways of getting <laughs> Eileen in bed than that. I don't even think that's possible. Um, Summer wakes up. She's fine. Turns out that she forgot to take her insulin no, earlier. I think she said that she was like, "Oh, I didn't take my my injections." 
because I was out with Archie. Oh, yeah, she did say I was, that. I, I was having a good time, and it's not fair. And I also think that, in a way, she was... She kind of doesn't didn't believe that she had diabetes because... One, you know, one moment she's fine. The next minute she's got to take two injections a day. Otherwise, she, yeah. something terrible will happen. And she's probably thinking to herself, that can't be true because I've been fine. Like, I don't want to believe this is real. And so she didn't take them, I think, because she wanted it not to be true. Maybe, maybe. That's and why, you know, I can imagine that. Billy says, look, Summer, sometimes there's just not a convenient church to hide inside and shoot up in when I you know. need to take your injections. you just got to do it in front of your friends. Just do it in the park, like <laughs> I ended up. He's absolutely right that Ardy wouldn't have minded. No. He probably would have found it sexy or something, I don't know. But, um, but you know, she's, but she's like, why is this my life now, you know? I yeah, hate it. I hate my life. And I could, you know, really sympathise with her again because everything's changed for her. And there's nothing anyone can do to make this easier for her. It's it's sad and horrible, and she has to deal with it. And it's not fair. This I'm I'm, I'm sad to say. I'm afraid to say that this was another one of these stories, another one of these characters that I think I should have been sympathising with more than I actually was. <laughs> Did and you may, sympathise more now? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, during this, I was oh, like going, really? oh, "Shut up, Summer." I know it's really bad because it is an awful situation. I can't imagine <laughs> me having to be in this situation. But I think it's similar to what we were saying about the Baileys earlier, who we haven't quite got to know well enough to. And it's the same. I'm still I'm, See, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting Harriet Bibby more, but she's still not quite there with me yet. She's still not. The, I thought you where, said whereas that, what I thought you said that you, this was making you like her more. <sighs> Kind, I, I think I like her more than I did, you know, six months ago, say. But I, I, I'm finding her a lot more difficult to warm to. I mean, Gareth Pierce, it didn't take me very long at all to warm for him to him and kind of accept him as Todd, which is something that I never thought would happen. Whereas the character of the of Summer, who I quite liked, but not as much as I liked as Todd, I'm really, really struggling still with this actress just because of how different I think that she's playing her. I, I, I don't know. I, I just... I, I, I wish fine. Matilda Freeman was still in the role. I'm afraid to say. Um, anyway, um, they, they just have a, a chat together, don't they? Billy and, and Summer. And um, he decides that um, the best way forward with this is that we um, are going to stay together and it's just going to be me and you, girl, against the world and we don't need no man to tell us, to, to help us. Get rid of all the negative people. Yeah. Fast forward 20 years. I will years. never forgive... Todd or yeah ever fast ah. forward twenty years and they're like the the um the Beals the big and big Edie and little Edie living in Grey Gardens like eccentric I've got no idea what you're talking about eccentric millionaires living in a, a um a slowly de- decaying mansion with hordes of feral cats and cat poo everywhere going. I used to be a star, you know. They used to say I was the best vicar in the northeast of England. And then it all went... All right, north. (laughs) Then it all went wrong for me. And now Summer and I just live here alone (laughs) in the darkness with the cats and Jesus. Anyway, that, that was about it, wasn't it? Todd goes to the Undertaker again at the end of the day and says, I'm going to get that Billy to forgive me if it's the last thing I do, but I guess we get to see next week what that involves. I was totally expecting George to say, oh, well, you can't kip with me, lad, but there's always space in, in t- morgue. <laughs> like, is Billy going to be... I mean, is Todd going to be, like, in a, in a drawer? 
No, I think it's going to, um, the Monday's episode is going to start the same way as the first episode of what we do in the shadows, where the, the coffin gets opened and Todd, <laughs> Todd just like... levers himself out. <laughs> yeah, why not? With George's is familiar. <laughs> um, so, Todd's um, big um, unveiling. Lots of people seem to really enjoy that online and it didn't go down quite so well with me. And it wasn't just because I wanted Todd to get away with it forever. (laughs) Honestly, I thought that it was very weak how it all came out. If a character is a nasty piece of work and they've been scheming and manipulative and everything, and then you've got another character that knows the truth um, and, and is going to unveil that... I, I want to feel that there's a bit more of a build-up to it or 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 somewhere where the, the nasty character slips up somehow or something. But all we really had was Summer happens to drop in to conversation that, yeah, Todd's got a, spent a £1,000 and then Will says, right, in that case, I'm going to tell you anything. Yes, obviously, we had the the unveiling at the calendar launch and there was like a great zoom in on Todd and everything when he realised what was happening. But I, I've... I felt that he he should have he should have slipped up. It should have been like, oh, I can't believe I've been so stupid, and now you're taking advantage of this. It does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Will just found out, and the only reason he didn't find out earlier was because this story had been put on hiatus for a week and a half or however long it was. Nothing happened. You know that this could have happened at any point, and it it just came out and. I, 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 yeah, I thought it was underwhelming. Very, very underwhelming. And I've enjoyed characters, like evil characters that I've liked being found out in the past. This isn't like, you know, I was obviously mad at the, the Jenny and Ronnie situation earlier this year because something that was happening to a character that I really, really liked and I didn't like that that was happening to that character, the fact that she was going off with Ronnie. This was also a character that I really like and something bad happening to them. But I wasn't mad that it was happening to them because I thought well, it was going to happen eventually. It was just the, the weak way that it happened. Yeah, I, I did think it was a bit like, Todd, like, honestly, as soon as Todd saw this video, why on earth did he not jump up and just smash the telly or, or do anything? He sat there and went, no, no, this is the wrong video. <laughs> oh, how does somebody deep faked this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he didn't, he didn't even try, try at all. I just thought... Um, it 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 really it felt like they could have put more effort in like maybe he should have been standing somewhere at the back and he couldn't reach it because he was literally sitting in front even on a chair. even that didn't bother me oh, it it's just i me. i think he should have been acting or feeling a little bit more cocky like or or you know crowing that he'd but won it was. Yeah, but or it was. something okay but there it was like you know the pride before the fall because he was so excited about getting married. Yeah, that 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 was all it was. That was the pride, or oh, I'm happy about getting married. But there was no like wahaha. Uh, no, I just anyway. I'm 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 I seem to be, you know, one of the few people that think this. So I'm glad for the people that did enjoy this. Well, I mean, it was you know, if you're if you're not going to nitpick, it was still pretty exciting and funny. It was. It was I mean, very other... handy that nobody from the calendar actually turned up. <laughs> that, that that was a that was a letdown, and it, that that was total COVID, wasn't it? The fact that the only people in the gardens pretty much were involved in this storyline. Um, I I mean, who else was in the calendar? I forget now. Like, was Adam supposed to have been in it? Imran was supposed to be in it. I know he was going to see Kelly in jail at that point, but. 
it would have been nice if it had been a, a more public unveiling, but unfortunately that's just the way it is at the moment. You can only cram five people into Victoria Gardens at the moment. Um, <laughs> and also, I don't know if they're still doing cohort filming. Oh, yeah, I think they're probably there. So only certain characters can be yeah. in certain storylines because the the actors are kind of yeah. in S- groups. Semi-bubbled up together. Mm. I, I assume that's all stopped. Uh, maybe. I honestly don't know. Did... um. I was also wondering whether we're supposed to be feeling sympathy for Will at the moment because some of the way that he was being played in the scene with Summer felt like we were supposed to think that Todd used him really, and he did kind of use him. Really but, refreshing that he's not just a car- cartoon cookie cutter villainous chavvy lad, you know. He, he can You can see that he has a, a variety of different emotions. He's like a proto-Todd, where his kind of revenge, you know, he, he wants revenge on people for doing wrong to him, and he wants to manipulate everybody, but he also has deep feelings for people, which he I He doesn't I have the, the charm of Todd. No, he doesn't, but I'm not... You, do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, instead of just being like an annoying evil chav who just smirks at Summer all the time, because he's leading her on... He actually genuinely cares about her. But in my head, and and maybe this is through my eyes as well, whether I'm just making it up, we have only, before this week, seen that side of him. We've only seen him as a very one-dimensional, grey hoodie sort of villain. Um, And this... Well, I like that addition, then. Mm. Well, I'm I'm wondering whether we'll get to see a bit of um, Ardy versus Will at some point soon, because Mm. Summer's obviously... It feels like she's got the hots for Will, possibly... She's got a bit of a crush on him, maybe, or, or he's he's had a project she's working on, I don't know. And, um, yeah, I think Hardy's going to start to get a little bit jealous of him. So Will's just basically been rejected now by Summer. See, I really like... I really think... What do you mean? What? Uh, she, she told him he was a spoiled child. Oh, did she? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because right. the, oh, no matter what, the pair of them, Todd and Will, conspired. both conspired. Yeah. But I really like that that they complicated the character of Will a little bit because he was just a bit of a scallywag. But now I feel... I don't know whether I'm just making this up myself or if the show has led me to this. But he does feel like a genuinely uh, neglected child who has suddenly sort of found a jackpot in that Summer is a genuinely nice girl who wants to help him and perhaps he fancies her and he never would have ever thought that somebody like her because she is a very middle class girl isn't she yeah would sort of pay attention to him and help him and he's kind of being dragged into this world where you know he he gives me the impression that he's constantly surrounded by people that don't care about him but he's yeah he's used to things never like going his way and, and, and because he was like abused. saying oh, i don't think the college are going to want me because yeah. he's he's just used to nobody ever wanting him but yeah. I, I still think if i never saw will again i wouldn't be i wouldn't be disappointed but i really i really suddenly sympathize with him oh, okay. he just it just feels to me like he's young enough that you can forgive him for the way he's acting because you know when life's harsh to you why would you not be harsh back Mm. he's he comes from a doggy dog world (laughs) and when the doggy dog eats the other doggy dog you can't really complain where it should be um what, what i enjoyed on 
Fridays is the fact that there's still hope for Todd and Billy. <laughs> and I don't know whether there actually is or whether it's just in of my head because I'd really like Todd and Billy there's to stay together. Hope for, I think that they've unlikely got couples such brilliant I I I well, you know, I think they've got better chemistry than Paul and Billy do and and they have got a history and everything. But I was perfectly I, I was ready for Billy to cut all ties with Todd, say, oh, let's just change the name on the engagement in, uh, invitations. Now I'm going to marry Paul in five weeks. But, and, and I don't want to get my hopes up, really, because I, well, I still think at the end of the day it is going to be Billy and Paul. But I, I like how, I like how there's the possibility, yeah. All the way through the storyline, you've been disgruntled somewhat because you've been anticipating the end Oh, I know, and this, I, I, it's not the first being... time. Billy and Paul. Paul together. So you've been disengaged. But now suddenly, for some reason, even though it's all come to a head and Billy and um, Todd are actually split up, you're like, there's still hope, there's still hope. <laughs> and now you're engaged. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, um, one thing about the wedding, did they mention that it was happening in five weeks? I I've written that down. And I don't know whether I was making it up. That's very soon to have a wedding. It also makes me think... Have they already filmed the wedding? And obviously the original wedding of Billy and Todd is off, we're supposed to believe. Um, But is Todd going to be able to weasel his way back into Billy's life in the next five weeks? Probably not. And honestly, Billy, you shouldn't take him back after everything he's done. As much as I want it, I think you'd be crazy to. To be honest, you shouldn't have taken him back the first time. You know exactly what he's like. So it's your own damn fault that this has happened to you. But yeah, has there already been a wedding film? Sorry. Um, Has, has... Paul already married Billy, if that's where they're going to go down. I honestly don't know. I've not seen any spoilers about weddings being filmed. Um, and Well, the question is... Um, I'm very, very intrigued. Now, now that Billy's sworn off all men and any toxic people forever, oh, well. is that not just um, him saying, next thing I'm going to do, Summer, is bonk Paul? Yeah, it is. It's one of those, I'm never going to speak to you again, cliffhangers, isn't and it? Then and the then next, next episode, scene that they're like, having Can I borrow some sugar, please? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? I think that is a little... Uh, I think that's That was a, a, a sort of a fun, silly, um, yeah. dramatic... It was. That, that was fun this week. As I said, I was just a bit disappointed that Tom's, Todd's grand unveiling, it just fell a little bit flat for me. Okay. Because it just happened. Full Monty. So on Full Monday, Monty. Curtis sees Emma in the cafe and he says, oh, sorry, sorry, I got upset the other day about how I'm I'm going to die and you telling everybody they're okay. Yeah, they're fine now. That was just a bit of over the weekend They're planning drama. the grand unveiling do and Mary says to Emma to enjoy her time with him while she can. Yeah, she nice. knows that Curtis's clock is ticking. Yeah. On Wednesday, Mary's preparing for the calendar launch in Victoria Gardens and... Um, uh, Paul is there listening to Billy saying that there's an engagement party and exes aren't invited. Don't worry, Paul, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> this is what we have, Dev. We, the best Dev was was last week when he was paired up with our team. But Dev, I guess is another one of these scenes that if you're a Dev hater, you'd be your eyes had been rolling round to the back of your skull when Jimmy Harkishan walks up to the um, railings in Victoria Gardens and... His, his reaction, I mean, I, I can't even describe it. It was just a, a gasp of shock, shall we say, when he <laughs> sees the size of this massive TV they're That's going to be show showing him in all his glory, yeah. He goes worries at the bistro where 
Tim and Chesney are also bottling it and Steve's hiding from Mary. Yeah, nobody wants to go to this calendar launch so that everybody can see them naked. It's quite ironic that the only reason Steve originally agreed to take part in this calendar photo shoot was that Curtis promised him a launch due with free booze and food. And now he's hiding and with all the rest of the men and eventually they show up but it's all over and Mary says, well, we didn't even get to see any of the calendar stuff and we never got to watch the full Monty because Todd is an evil... Who had? I we watched the video. I about saw that somebody on, I think it was on a Facebook group, say um, it would have been quite interesting if they had showed the full Monty because they would have seen like Eddie Windass and maybe a couple <laughs> of other ex residents <laughs> of Coronation Street uh, showing off in it. Yep. So um, Emma and Curtis roam the street later and they notice. Um, Oh, they they're looking at the cut at the pictures. I don't know if they've put these up or who. Yeah, did. yeah, they have. It, well, then why are they noticing them? They they no, Emma Emma sorry Emma and Curtis didn't put them up. They've oh. noticed that Tim and Steve and uh, and Dev and everyone after um, bunking off the calendar launch are still by are still promoting it by putting photos from the calendar, calendar up on their business walls with like want to see more or something with kebabs yeah yeah, yeah it's basically like so items yeah so we see dev he's got his he's got like grapes on his head the, the thing with all of these apart from maybe the tim one is that the characters are very clearly wearing some clothes i mean not yeah. full you know duffel coats and bubble hats or anything the but... photos they took don't reflect the discussion they had about what the photos look like no like <laughs> dev's one he's got a toga on you can see now there is a giant um kebab in front of it censoring but he's standing him. behind the counter he's standing behind yeah he's standing behind so... the counter i don't know how on earth you'd see his kiwis you'd have seen, you'd have seen his kiwis no it was bizarre. It's all silly, Michael. Um, and then, but yeah, he's got the toga draped over his shoulder. And then you've got the Chez and uh, Kirk one, which is the Sistine Chapel ceiling uh, thing, which was, I was quite nicely done. Although you said it looked like Sam Aston had been photoshopped into it, and I, I certainly see what you mean. That wouldn't surprise me if that was well, true. Well, why would they not? But again, Kirk They're not allowed to be that close to each other. Oh yeah, of course. Kirk had a toga on or something over his shoulder and both of them had shoes and socks on. Um, well, I thought, look, can po- I just say something? Is it because the actors didn't actually want to get naked in front no, of the I camera? <laughs> if I'm buying it better. a naked calendar, I, I don't want to see shoes and socks on. No, show me them ankles. Those are the, the yeah, exactly. Those are the least erotic clothing isn't it like yeah. perhaps you know a really small pair of budgie smugglers <laughs> oh god who would you like, like to see in them one of those um mankini things that um oh, like Borat Borat or, yeah. something like that you know to titillate <laughs> the, the senses not shoes and socks yeah and a sheet and then you also had Tim's one, and we hadn't seen any of the setup for Tim's photo, had he? But he's the Venus de Milo, so he's stand, he's in the streetcar's no office with the shell. Um, he, I, I think he oh, does. Oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of the statue. You're oh yeah, am I? It's the Venus de Milo, right? It's the the Venus shot in the shell. Yeah. Oh, I'm the getting them mixed Venus? up. Is but that what it's called? yeah, it, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm think I'm just thinking of that Simpsons episode with the with the gummy Venus de Milo, and that is the statue. Anyway, it's the one. It's the one with the shell. Um, and, and, Did and he have a lovely... Tim's there yes, with a lovely blonde Venus. wig on. By Botticelli. There we go. Um, so that looked quite cool. And he had a star over him. But he was... Tim was literally the only one out of everybody who looked like he was properly naked. But even then, I'm sure that Joe Duttine had um, some kind of modesty clothing on underneath the giant star. Anyway, that's just my being completely nitpicky about that. <laughs> um, well, look, if you're going to talk about nitpicks, let's talk about something that is the most nerdy 
maybe one of the most nerdiest things we've done apart from uh, reading the, the 40th anniversary script while watching the 40th anniversary episode. Go on. Um, Emma's saying, oh, we've had 26 orders. And I decided I was going to price up <laughs> how much it costs to print. Do you remember the calendars. outcome of this? It costs about £2 to, to print, print a, calendar. a calendar. And I really, I suddenly went stupid, well, more stupid than normal. And I couldn't work out how many you have to buy to sell to make £4,000. Because you're never going to, unless you sell out, you're never going to, you need to print more than you're going to sell. I can't remember how many we said that they needed to sell yet. Was it like 750 or something in, well, to, if you in order sell to make this £4,000 that they're trying to go say, for? Say you, say you sell, say you, say you sell them for £10 each. Yeah. For £4,000. Yeah. How many is that? Don't, just don't, they got to make... Is it 400? Yeah, 400. No, it isn't, is it? It's, that's, yeah, that's 400 calendars, but then there's the cost You've of printing just, them yeah. and everything as well. So you, you've got to sell an awful lot of calendars. So 26 after the first afternoon, which is probably when, you know, the most excitement and early sales are going to come on the first day. If you're only selling 26 on the first day, you're screwed. I'm sorry. You're not going to make four <laughs> grand out of your I calendar. mean, I know it's a long time until Christmas, which is probably when the main calendar sales happen, but it's going to be old news then. I don't think you're going to make up the sale, but of course well, you will make the sale. Of course sale. they will, yeah. Of course they'll make £4,000 because people aren't going to do the maths. I mean, perhaps the, the printing pl- place kindly agreed to donate. Maybe they did. They, Maybe they, we've even been them. told this. But e- even if that's the case, they need to sell a lot of calendars here. And I don't really know how many people would be that interested in getting them unless well, you literally know the people that are in them. This is and the even thing. then it's weird. Really, we want Chris to come and write a story or Daniel about it in the Weatherfield thingy. Oh, yeah. And also, perhaps this racism scandal might sell them a few calendars because James Bailey... Currently, the centre of a, of um coming out at oh, the story yeah. and and a race row is one of the the one of the models apparently. I was going to say one of the members. <laughs> of the Don't Camden say members. Club. <laughs> they didn't learn anything from Adi last week. Right, staple no remover storyline. As bad publicity. Publicity for a, a charity naked charity <laughs> charity calendar. Staple remover. Everybody loved Hope this week, didn't they? That's what I got from the Hope internet. Hope was the, like the the flavour of the month. She was. I don't mind Hope. I don't think I love Hope as much as everybody does. And I've always said this. I used to love, love, love the old actress who plays Hope. And Isabella Flanagan is pretty great. But I do think when I'm watching it, she comes across as being a little bit um, bit too precocious for me. I don't care. She I comes across as a little bit... Um, I, I, I'm... I, I'm I can't forget. I, I, I'm just thinking this is a this is a child actress, um, and and she's yeah precocious is the word. Well, I think. apparently I, you you say she's precocious, but you also slag off her drawing skills. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's supposed to be ten and a half, isn't she? And she, I think that they're writing her as being a little bit um, younger, less mature than she should be. But maybe I've just got a bunch of incredibly mature children that I teach at my school I don't know it's what possible. normal and I don't know what normal 10 and a half years olds are like but I, I don't mind Hope is all I'm saying I don't love her as much as everyone I else I think she's, she's great she's absolutely fine and some of the things that she did this week like the um the tearing the head off the bear the 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 picture of all of them um I, Why thought, was, on me I next thought that week? was great <laughs> drawing Alina next to a Big pile of poo, as Absolute. Ken would say. Um, that was that was a that was a special move. That I, 
was, you know, Damien that, that, Hurst levels of artistic genius. That made me chuckle, for sure. So what, what's been going on then? Let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Tyrone's um, had a night on the sofa... Um, after everything that happened last week, Alina's in no mood to accept his apologies. Um, so Tyrone says, well, I need to go and get some flowers or something. So, so he goes off to the flower shop. Now, um, Hope is saying to him, Daddy, you said that I could have some trainers. and uh, But he's like, I can't, I can't get you the trainers. Maybe next week, love. I need to buy these apology flowers for um, Alina. Um, he goes along to the furniture shop for some reason. I can't remember why I ends up getting into an argument with Fizz again. Um, and this is when Hope engineers both of them uh, into helping her with this holiday homework that she's got. I don't, I, 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 why, why has she been given... She's year five going into year six, I think. <laughs> I don't know why she has holiday homework, which is do a picture of your family. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just different for different schools. And, and I don't know why she needs help with it either. Well, she doesn't need help. She tries to make out that she does. And she she ends up making these, like, cut-out pictures of this very extended family. So there's Phil, there's Fizz, there's Alina, there's Hope, there's Ruby, there's Tyrone, there's everybody. Tyrone has a look at it, and he is not at all impressed by the muscles that she's given Phil. She's a, he, he gets jealous of this cut-out yeah, little she, man. She, this was, honestly, for you, you criticising the the quality for the age of the child... I thought that the details of like having the arm come off the edge and the the poo and I thought that was I, I really love funny. I do love how very much she knows what she's doing. Yeah. And how manipulative she is. It's not just like an, an innocent, oh, but this child has drawn you like that. She knows exactly what to do to press everybody's buttons here, which is great. Um so he Tyrone goes back home. He's missed his lunch with Alina that they were supposed to have. She's understandably upset by this. And then he's, he can't start going on about this picture. And Alina's like, you're obsessed with Fizz and Phil. She, you're, you're jealous of a cartoon character that your daughter's drawn. Um, you, need to, you need to ease off here. And Tyrone says, look, I promise I'm gonna, I'll find a balance. I, I, I will not be going on about Fizz quite so much. And then Hope um, says... Um, she she phones him up and says, can you help me with my picture a little bit more? And, and mummy's cooked dinner as well. And Tyrone's like, no, sorry, I can't I can't come to you. I need to stay with Alina now. And she puts the phone down because it, she feels, she thinks, oh, I thought I, I thought I had him then. But he's blown me off. And uh, at the very end of the episode, she tears up the picture of Alina that she's done. <laughs> what I really, really wanted her to do was to tear the head off Alina and put the big pile of poo on her shoulders. Yeah. I thought they were going there, but um, my decapitation lust was satiated by the end of the week, should I, at least. So Wednesday, um, Tyrone's been shopping. He's got a framed baby scan for Alina and some baby clothes, which he thinks are like wonderful. Something like that. I thought it was a key ring. I don't know. Um, Alina's found a cop. She seems to have forgiven him anyway. Um, Hope's not impressed when she finds out about all this money that he's blown on the new baby. And he tries to remind her, you've had so much from me over the years. Now it's someone else's time in the spotlight. Um, he's also bought this teddy bear, hasn't he, by the way, and uh, which he can't find at the end of the episode. And uh, people online were saying that they couldn't understand what they were saying. So it, well, that, and I well, think we had to rewatch point, it. It sounded like he said, I've lost a tenner. Yeah, she, he, he lost Weatherfield Ted and she wanted a cot order. Yeah. And, and everyone was like, he's lost a tenner and she's buying a coat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's all. Fun. It's not even. It's not even Alina's accent. It's. It's just literally everybody lost the power of 
comprehension yeah. in that scene. Friday, he's building the car. So he's a bit um, arsy about it, isn't he? He's like, I don't need your help. I don't even need the instructions to build this because well, I'm is a mechanic. Just a stupid, to, like, man joke, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? About men ma- ma- being overconfident. Don't worry, I'm not a stupid man joke. I definitely need the instructions. If I wasn't I ever saying it was a stupid man joke. I was saying it's a, st- a stupid joke about men. <laughs> and it's always like the flat pack joke and the, and the overconfidence man joke. Typical. Well, this is this ties in with Tyrone trying to to say no. I'm a big guy. I've got muscles like Phil yeah. as well because he's so he's, insecure, um, insecure about it, it, it all. And this is what we saw when he was getting drunk last week as well, wasn't he? And he was like trying to square up to Phil. He's trying to prove that he's a big tough guy when he's really not. He's a little teddy bear. And and this is this um is like what Tyrone's been like since the beginning, isn't it? Because we've been watching early Tyrone on our DVDs and stuff. And even back in like when he was what, sixteen, seventeen or so, he was very scrappy doish about things, wasn't he? We saw a yeah. scene recently where Jack goes to visit Terry um, and Tyrone's there sort of standing behind him like saying let me add him Jack let me just say the word and I'll have him and he's like yeah. this little pint size kid going up against Big Terry um, so I, 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 I like that little throwback Fizz has got another date with Phil tonight she's kind of putting her off she's the, the, the luster has gone off of him and she realises that she's got other things that she needs to be focusing on really but Evelyn says no you, you go for it girl um, and meanwhile Hope is in a mope because Ruby has told her that the new baby won't be her real sister. And yet again, Aww. I'm getting a bit fed up with them not showing Ruby on screen. It's getting a bit like, it's a bit Tracy going up playing a tapes level of ridiculousness, yeah. isn't it? We know that she's the actress isn't there. Maybe just don't mention her or bring her in, please. Um, so um, Hope goes to the cafe with Fizz as a milkshake. She says, I don't, I don't really care about... Um, about whether she's my sister or not she she basically is just enjoying being incredibly contrary and she says that ruby's too stupid to see what's going on with alina give her a chance i say and um hope feels like she hasn't got anybody to love her oh so sad um cots all built later tyrone can't fit it into the bedroom alina says oh we need to move it quickly before hope gets here and i got a bit of mixed messages or a bit you know um the the writing for Alina this week couldn't decide whether she was um, being childish about the whole hope situation or not because I'm sure that on Wednesday's episode she brought up this cot when hope was in the room and she would have known perfectly well that hope wouldn't have liked the idea of having this cot but she brought it up it felt like it was a bit of a spiteful move I'm going to mention this cot to, so, to, to pee Hope off where did she say this? on Wednesday she was saying this but on Friday oh. she's saying oh we need to get the cot inside the red room so that Hope doesn't see it so I couldn't decide whether or not she's sparring with Hope or not at well, the moment well talk about it later because there's the the question of the the sleeping arrangements oh yeah, yeah yeah I can't remember who even wrote that anyway Fizz and Phil go out on their date Fizz seems very distracted she seems a little bit bored by his story about a massive lizard that he saw I really love the way that she was talking about monitor lizards and stuff and he was saying that they were it was so much bigger than he thought they would be and then and then she's like yeah where was this Huddersfield or, or whatever <laughs> she said and he's like D- sorry you weren't I'm boring you and she's like oh no I just don't really know what monitor lizard is (laughs) and he was like it's a giant lizard basically I love Phil and I feel a bit sad at the moment that we may have seen the last of Phil I think he's a really decent bloke and um, and, and fair play to him for still keeping on going and you know being incredibly lovely and charming despite the fact that 
Fizz wasn't really Can paying I much attention to him. Say to to Fizz here, she's an idiot. This man Don't you attack my Fizz. This man is interested in her despite all of her ridiculous baggage and BS and continuously banging on about bloody Tyrone all the goddamn time in the middle of him trying to have a date with her. He's been so patient and wonderful. And he's in his forties, I'm gonna say. Yes. Um, and Late he doesn't, 40s. and he doesn't have kids. You could not hope for a more useful unicorn of a man. You've forgotten the most important point. He's a fellow ginger. That just adds to the bonus <laughs> bonuses. You know what I'm saying? She's got two kids. He doesn't have any. There's not going to be any juggling and fussing, and you know. Yeah. And he's not put she off see, by her he having seems, kids. No, he seems very. He's very absolutely perfect her. for her. She, and she, she's like, I've got to just got to put my priorities in order. I don't. I don't no. think she's banging on about it in the same way as Tyrone is at all. They're banging both banging on about what. About Tyrone. Tyrone, I, I agree with He's Alina. Obsessed. He's obsessed with Fizz at the moment and jealous that she's got this other guy I on the go. But I don't think that Fizz is as obsessed with Tyrone. And of course, no. it's it's the same with me I being Team Todd. And yeah. I can't see any... It's almost like I don't see him doing anything wrong ever. <laughs> but I, I, I do. I just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that Fizz has not been perfect through this, but I am so Team Fizz. And I think, honestly, she's she's maybe been mentioning it a little bit too much but well yeah i mean i think she's over it now isn't she she just just trying to deal with what's happened I, I don't think she wants him back now and i don't think she's upset i think she's more fed up with how tactless he is being yeah maybe yeah yeah but i, I still and how think difficult if, he's making her life i think that she would still take him back if, if they wanted it I to hope not. anyway i i still would like that well but she, over... she basically tells doesn't she basically tell phil that she 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 says that I need to get things sorted. I've got too much drama going on in my life. She she breaks up with him very sad because she realises well, we she's not ready to go into the dating pool yet. We didn't realise she'd broken up with him until she tells Evelyn later on. No, I thought that I thought that she had. You I had to explain oh. to you. You missed the line. Yeah, she tells she tells Evelyn that it's uh, it's kind okay. of fizzled fizzled out with um with uh... with him and uh, they end up um laughing over the fact that Alina's burnt sausages apparently and they have some lovely oh, wine oh. together uh, meanwhile um, well a bit earlier this actually Hope comes round to see Tyrone and Lena they talk about the baby's sleeping arrangements she's got absolutely no intention of letting this new baby share the room with um, her and Ruby Can or I really having anything to do with it how confused I was by this because are they still living with Emma Yes, that that was mentioned. I think they so kind of said three, that Emma, they said that Emma will probably have moved out by then or something. I think they were well, this is really assuming weird, that Emma's not long. So there's not. So it's a two bedroom. It doesn't make this doesn't make any sense. Never think about the no, sleeping listen, arrangements in any Coronation Street house too deeply. It's either a two or a three bedroom flat, and one of those bedrooms is is being occupied by Emma, and the other one is Alina and Tyrone, and that. But then. Um, Hope was talking about her room she shares with Ruby as though she already had it. Well, it must be a three-bedroom. Well, then, if, if Emma's moving out, there's no problem at all. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't logically make sense. Because they were saying, when the baby comes, the baby will sleep with us for six months, but then we're going to let it have your room and you can sleep in the front room and it'll be like a sleepover. And she's like, nah. <laughs> I like how she said, didn't she say that oh, the new baby can sleep on the sofa or something? And then <laughs> yeah. what was it? They were like, oh, that's really mean. It's like, that's what you're making her do. Yeah. I'm really surprised that um, 
that they haven't started trying to move Fizz out of the house. Yeah, I know. She's she's got her feet well under the table there, hasn't she? Because, and our, an evening, you know, just to really mind everybody, that's actually Tyrone's house. Yes, yes. Um, Tyrone finds out towards the end of the episode that Fizz and Phil have split up, so I don't know whether this is going to be an opportunity for... Is it going to make him reevaluate his situation with Alina and see, oh, there's an opening there? I don't know. But um, the very final scene was Hope in the backyard tearing the head off Weatherfield's Ted. Good. Decapitating um, him. Yes. Because it symbolises this... Uh, baby. The, the baby and the They're relationship have to between be really Daddy careful. and Alina. This is like Adam's family values when Pugsley and Wednesday tried to kill the baby all the time. Yeah, well, we might just breathe fire. Uh, do you remember the bit on there where they were they're guillotining him and he uh, grabs do, do, the, do, the do, nail, do, not the nail, do, the, do, the blade? Do, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was quite fun this week. Um, do you, what? What do you think that Tyrone is in the right trying to prioritise the baby over his? Well, it's not even. It's, uh, I'm not going to say that Hope isn't his daughter, but I I thought it was really sad when Ruby was teasing um, Hope and telling her that she wasn't actually going to be related to the baby at all. That's just the kind of like really cruel, casually callous things that children say to each other to rile each other up. I don't know. What, I'd like to have seen it, maybe to have, I know. To have seen the intention. I don't think. In Ruby's I literally eyes. don't think you need to because you knew that they were winding each other up, and you know that Ru- Ruby said it on purpose to upset Hope. Yeah. You know yeah. that she did. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really sad. <laughs> Poor Hope, <laughs> yeah, yeah. honestly. She's, what was this special school that they took her to? Because they seem <laughs> yeah, to have a school in Birmingham. been like, don't set fires, but you can decapitate people and draw giant piles of poo. It, it does seem that she's in no way changed nope. to how she was, what was it, two years ago? So, Three, I've lost track of time. Literally, just wait, because there will be a fire. Yeah, you know that she's going to set fire to something and try and kill the baby. Or yeah, so they were away in Birmingham for six months. They brought back Psycho Jade <laughs> and Hope, who was clearly in no way cured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the question is like, is she going to wait for the baby to be born to try to to kill <laughs> to kill it, or is she just going to kill Alina and the baby at the same time? I don't know. I don't know. And, is she, and is I, it... I think she's going to stick a, like, a ticking time bomb inside the Ted. And put it's there sew its go. head back on. Here you go, Lena. Oh, thank you. Oh, so beautiful. Nine months later, and this Ted's going to explode. I love this. Why is it ticking? It makes a funny noise. Oh, in Romania, we do not have ticking teddy bears. It's so funny in this country. Um, yeah, so I thought it was quite fun. Yeah, do, you, do you think it's the end of Phil? I've not had a look on, um, no. on the actor's Twitter to see whether, although he did he did like the core emojis that I put on today. I, I, I want him to stay. I. I He's better. I honestly look. I think he's better for Fizz than bloody Tyrone is. Tyrone is just showing himself up. Such an asshole. Everything he's doing at the moment is just compounding. I think he knows that he's made a mistake, but he's doubling down on yeah, it now because so he doesn't want to lose face. Yeah, I, I, I would. I would feel sad if we didn't get to and see. I, um, I, a lot of people. Yeah, Phil again. Phil again. A lot of people are saying that they think Alina's being vindictive, and like you were saying about. Her rubbing it in... Hope's nose, face. Face, that she's got this cotton stuff. Um, I can totally see that side of things. But there was a moment when... I, th- I can't remember what was happening in the background, whether it was Tyrone and Hope or whatever it was. But Alina was sitting on the sofa and she just had this look on her face. And I just felt really bad for her because she's pregnant with her first child and she's with the man that she professes she loves and he loves her and it should be so easy and fun and good you know for her it should be so natural and 
wholesome and beautiful. Setting up a new home, building a cart. Yeah, all of these things should be some stuff that she should be able to enjoy without guilt or or shame. But it's marred by the the way that they started their relationship. Mm. And she can never really escape that at a time that should be very stress-free and happy. Because yeah. there's enough stress going on when you're pregnant without having to worry about all the rest of it. Mm. Well, I know a great place where she can get some baby grows if if they if what they need some. What was the name some. of the website? I don't remember. But yeah, he had he had this like it all set up, didn't he? It, it, that didn't make sense either. Like how who's who's the manufacturer for these t-shirts? Just because you start up a website and host images of t-shirts doesn't mean you've got yeah, products. Whether it would be that easy, yeah. Anyway, should we move on? Oh, I just I've written a note here. I just wanted to crow about Jodie Whittaker leaving um Doctor Who because Phil is Phil Whittaker and I was going to say, Oh, second Whittaker departure in as many days. Don't I'm start very glad that again that because Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall are leaving Doctor Who, but I will say no, no more. Oh, all the fuss we had on our Facebook group <laughs> about that. Let's Gemma, I'll pass over to you. What's been going on with Kelly in the jelly? So on Monday, Laura's late for work. Um, and Toya, who's now full of uh, vim and vigour because she's been promoted to the senior sales <laughs> advisor over yeah. Michael, <laughs> has a go at her. The power's gone to her head. And she accuses her of not cleaning very well yesterday. Um, and Laura's like, <laughs> she doesn't take it very well, but, you know, why would she? Then she overhears Toya and Alina talking about the fact that James is getting 30 grand for this story. So she finds Chris, the journalist, and tells her that she wants 30 grand as well. I don't know why she thinks the freelancer's got a budget of 30 grand to buy stories, but Chris is like, well, you wouldn't get the money before we publish, and we can't publish before the trial anyway, because... Because Kelly's not um, old enough. Well, also, I don't think you're allowed to talk about ongoing cases. She definitely said it was something to do with her age. Laura's, Laura's like, oh, and she keeps pushing and um, Chris kind of leaves it. And then she catches up with Daniel to say, oh, do you know anything about this murder case? And and Laura, and Daniel says to Chris, she is dodgy. Um, you should probably keep away. And Chris It's interesting like, yeah. how Daniel was brought into this, but didn't really have anything to do with that outside of it. It makes me wonder whether Laura will try and make a move on Daniel or something when Chris has rejected her. I don't know. Who? Daniel. The fact that... Well, I don't get why he was brought in Who's just for this. Who's going to make a move on is, is Laura going to try and see if Daniel can oh, give her £30,000? I thought you were talking about dating. I was like, oh, no, Daniel's no, no, no. going to date Chris? No. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but <laughs> why? I don't know. Um... Daniel tells Toya, um, and then Imran realises that is why Laura is suddenly going to visit Kelly in jail so much. Laura comes into the Rovers, and Toya has it out with her. I just th- These two are just heading. Are they, they haven't had a physical fight yet, have they? Well, no, they're, they're not allowed to, are they? I really want to see them scrap. I want them to bubble up so they can have a proper be battering together. This is so so interesting because, like, really, Laura's rough around the edges, isn't she? And they've they've their trajectory in life has been completely opposite, I think, because despite what the show's trying to make out, Kelly, um, Laura was kind of a fallen on her feet sort of a well-to-do kind of a girl, wasn't she? Like with her um evil lunchharking husband, yeah, whip. kind of nefarious deeds that he was doing. So it seems to be like. She she's like posh, but now she's fallen, you know, and she's working as a cleaner. Oh God, can you imagine? Um, and scrapping to get by. Whereas Toya was like raised 
by wolves. <laughs> and now she's like a respectable counsellor. Mm. But the two of them don't like each other because of this kind of weird class thing, as well as the fact that Laura's evil and Toy's trying to protect her. Do you not think yeah. there's also that going yeah, on? Yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's a, a lot, lot of fun. tensions between these two. And it is, it is funny because to- you'd look at Toya and think, well, she's obviously the middle class one here and Laura's, you know, the chav. But actually, <laughs> Toya's a chav and Anthony Bill at the end of uh, the day. Uh, who do you think could, could win in a fight? I, I, it feels like, you know, for, for the, the casual viewer, I think you would think, well, obviously Laura would because she's got the street smarts and everything. But I, I'd like them to get into a fight and, and to have something stir within Toya and just remind like her of, of how she was when biking, she came onto the street 20 years ago. And, yeah, she just delivers Rips her head off. Yeah, just like Winifield Ted. Yeah, exactly. Fatality. I would love it. <laughs> um, yeah, they have a fight and, well, a verbal fight and um, they're like, they say to Laura, don't do this article. And Laura's like, not interested and walks out. Imran visits Kelly and tells her the real reason why her mum is visiting her. And she's absolutely gutted. Then Laura shows up work, late to work again and Sarah fires her. Then a police officer comes and arrests her for child cruelty. What a bad day. <laughs> she thinks it's Toya's fault. Well, she's she? like, yeah, well, look at you. But we in your mouth. This is obviously your fault. And um, Toya's like, I had nothing to do with it, but I support whoever did wholeheartedly. It's like she's been taken over by the spirit of Emily Nugent. <laughs> Toya goes back home and tells Imran, and he's like, oh, wow, why did you do that? And she's like, why does everyone keep saying it was me? I didn't do it. She but, thought that he did it. Yeah. Kelly phones them later and says it was her. And she says, realise when mum. I look back on my life, it's not normal to be hit, abandoned and abused by your mum. She says, I wanted to trust her and I wanted to love her. And it was really sad to see her talking about that and how she didn't know she was even doing the right thing. And so Coronation Street's attempts to um, to make us feel sympathy for Kelly continue <laughs> to uh, rehabilitate her. Let's not forget that Kelly is a child pornographer. <laughs> On Wednesday, Imran is worried that Corey's team is going to use Kelly's rubbish upbringing against her and they have to make sure that they've got her back. So they go to visit her in prison. Very socially distanced. I had to, it was like a three-way standoff, wasn't makes, it? This kind of does make sense because, um, you know, this was last year, but when we went to that funeral, even though we went together, we, we're married, yeah, yeah, we yeah. had to sit separately. I think... It makes sense. Institutionalised places like this are like, it doesn't really matter, one wall for everybody, otherwise we're going to, you know, everyone sit separate. This is why it doesn't bother me, a lot of the socially distancing things on Corrie, because most people would be socially distancing from each other. Yeah. Anyway, um, Kelly says, the social services are coming to talk to me about the neglect and... Um, Thanks for helping me, but I don't need your help. And they're like, no, you're the you're the child. We're the adults. We're here to look after you. Oh, and when when Toya was saying that, to her, I was like, Toya's so sweet, and Kelly just needs somebody in her life that just cares about her, and she's got it finally. But it's probably a bit too late. It is. See, I I don't see Toya and Imran having like a parent sort of relationship with Kelly. They no. feel like older friends. Like Auntie Toya and Uncle Imran. Yeah, that kind of thing. Which is why, I There's mean... There's a bit too... They're, she's a bit too old and they're a bit too young. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. They, they they wanted to have a baby, didn't they? When they had little baby Mason at Christmas. That was perfect. But it just feels almost... Because how old's Kelly now? Is she 17? Yeah, I can't remember. It feels like 
she's kind of just crashing at their house. I can see what you're saying. It's certainly not the same relationship you'd have somebody that you knew as a child. Mm. And and Kelly is so fiercely independent anyway. It's not like she needs, you know, someone to hug at the end of the day or somebody to cook her tea for her. She puts up a good front, but the actress is really good also at playing her very vulnerably. Yeah. So she she does... She's really excellent, I have to say. Um, Starting to win me over, but I'm not going to allow it to happen. (laughs) Because we know what she's done. This is the thing, all the way through this, I'm haunted by the question, what did Kelly actually do? Because I am pretty sure... We talk on the night of Seb's attack, we're not talking about Asher or... or I know what she did with Asher, that's a fact. She uploaded the video of her online, and she was horrible to her about it, and many, many things. What happened, what did she do? Because I'm pretty sure that she helped murder Seb. I know, it... I, I'd love it if they pulled the rug out from under, you know, from under us and go, yeah, she did actually, after trying to make us feel sorry for her. That would be quite satisfying, I think. But I it doesn't was, feel like she did. It feels like it. it's going to be, she didn't do anything. Corey's going to try and, well, she, he's already trying to pin it on her. They'll give some kind of evidence about something or other that will make things look bad for her in court. But then in the end of the day, Corey will be sent down because some new evidence will come to light. Like they'll have a flashback <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, we know that she was there. We know that she was laughing about it while Corey it was, was kicking seven bells out of Seb. She didn't. She says that she tried to pull him off of him. But we that scene where Seb was being kicked in the street. It really and, looked like he was being kicked. And that there was a good five to ten seconds of kicking going on. And we did not hear Kelly try and get him off. But I think we're no. not... I think we're supposed to forget we're that. We're supposed to forget it. But... I think it would be an interesting exercise for Coronation Street to try to make us sympathise with Kelly despite her having done this. It this is something that people don't like to talk about, but it's taboo to sympathise with with murderers and criminals. You can't say, "Oh, I feel sorry for her because she's had a hard time," and and just I feel sorry for her even though she did this. I feel sorry for her because she's done this and she's got to deal with this for the rest of her life. Mm. It's quite taboo to have sympathy yeah. for, for people. But it would be really interesting if, if we were asked to. And the question is, you know, what does it say about you as a person? Is it a good thing or a bad thing for you to sympathise with somebody like this? Is it good for your soul? Like, And also, is it any of your business to be so you know, full of vengeance on behalf of somebody else? Seb's dead and nothing's going to bring him back. Mm. Once the, it's gone through the courts... Does it, you know, is it of benefit to you to hate somebody you don't know for for a crime that they committed against somebody else you don't know? Yeah, it's very true. Very when you true. go when you go through Facebook, one of the things I hate the most is looking at web um, news stories about murders or whatever, and all the people in the comments going, "Oh, disgusting! Oh, they should be killed! I hate them! Oh, this is the worst thing! These people are vile scum of the earth!" And I can't help but think. What what does it benefit you or serve you to be writing horrible comments about somebody? I know that they're a horrible murderer, but we all know that they're a horrible... Nobody's saying anything different. Mm. What do you think you're actually achieving by mm. writing this stuff or saying these things or feeling these feelings about somebody you don't know? Mm. Good point. I just think it would be really interesting if... It would also be quite fun if at the end of this, after all the sad, you know, or... I mean, Kelly also brought up the fact that the the scar on her eyebrow... Oh, yes, it got a backstory, didn't it? It's got a backstory. Origin story, like a superhero or something. 
Kaliska. Yeah, it was her mum that did it to her. Yeah. Um, it'd be fun after or at the end of this. Her like, oh, I'm Montoya, so help us, love you, thank you, so help me. Oh, I did not do anything. And then at the end, she's like, ha ha ha. This is like the usual suspects. It was me all along. <laughs> I'm the criminal genius. That would be. I, I don't think it's going to go that. Of course that it way, wouldn't, but... but it would be brilliant if it was. Yeah, Imran and Toya are not sure whether Kelly's strong enough to get through this at the end of the episode, are they? Well, they think Corey's going to pin it all on her and come out smelling of roses. Yeah, because he's going to have a big. Say, I'm sure he will try to. Hotshot lawyer team. Mm-hmm. But you know, Imran needs to believe in himself a bit more. Yeah, he did well with the Jeff trial, let's not forget. Highlight of the 60th anniversary week, thank you. And I also don't know how, we've said that before, I don't know anything about the British justice system or the English court system or anything. I don't know, and also don't know how Coronation Street is going to write this because the reality of how it works and how it's reflected in the show are two completely different things anyway. But how is th- how is this going to work? Are they both going to be on trial at the same time? Are they going to have separate trials? What's going to happen? How How is Corey going to even factor into this? I don't know how it works. I mean, if I'll... two people go on trial at the same time, because I've heard this before as well, where you have two people going on trial for the same crime and they can't agree on the story about what happened in court, so they both get off. Isn't... <sighs> Ke- Kelly is definitely in jail. Where's Corey? Is Corey... He's on remand, isn't he? Is he on bail? I can't remember. I don't know who the police think did it. I don't know who... Do they no, still he think got that taken Ke- in, didn't he? Because um, they found the river stuff. <sighs> See, this story has really, really, really... Um, suffered from not Suffered being from the obvious. block filming, haven't they? It's been too long. It's been months since... Well, months and months since Seb was attacked. It's still been quite a long time since Kelly and, and Corey were sent down. Starting to forget what happened. I, I didn't find this like mega engaging or interesting this week. I was glad that it was back again. It was nice to see those characters, but I wasn't on the edge of my seat throughout any of this. I'm hoping that it's going to keep on going and build up over the summer um, until we get to the trial scenes now. Because th- this has been like one of the best stories of the year. The the, the Seb attack bit um, with Abby and everything. It just needs to find its feet again quickly. What were you going to say? Don't know. Um, well, I'm interested, I suppose, to know what uh, Laura's going to do now. Like, is she going to turn on Kelly and support Cor- uh, uh, Corey? Because Kelly's responsible for her being arrested. And if she never really loved her anyway and she was only using her, I could certainly see Laura decided saying well screw you then i'm on Corey's side i'm gonna see you rot in jail for what you did for me or um she she could maybe try something underhanded to try and win kelly back maybe i don't even know whether she's interested in getting kelly back though that's the thing like what to what benefit there's no benefit for her in being a good mum to kelly so she thought that she'd get £30,000 out of it. Now she's realised she's not. Maybe she's, she's just going to be like, screw you then. That'd be quite interesting if um, she is a thorn in her daughter's side in the trial and she kind of gives evidence against her or something like that. I don't know. She'll benefit from being the, the um, loyal, caring mother if Kelly is found not guilty. Oh, yeah, that's true. If Think Kelly, of all the magazine deals then. If Kelly is found guilty... The benefit would be for her to reject her and say, I tried my best, devil child, you know, 
Yeah. She'll get paid for those two scenarios, but, you know, she's not going to get money if she um, throws Kelly into the bus and then Kelly gets, you know, yeah. out of jail because then she'll be the villain of the piece and everyone will blame her. Mm. So really it's in her best interests now that, that Kelly gets sent down mm. and then she can say that she was the victim. Mm. So, yeah, maybe she will fight for Team Corey. Is she gonna, maybe she'll seduce Stefan, Corey's dad. Well, be quite exciting, I bet you. It? I bet you she's his type. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, then, so we got a bit of a cock-up story. Which, when I saw that this was coming on, I thought, "Oh, here we go, winters again." But actually, I found this incredibly heartwarming and lovely on Friday's episode. We had um, we had Frida around again. Wasn't expecting to see her back. Nice. Although, when's Norris going to get a mention? Is she? She is married to Norris, isn't she? <laughs> Norris is like, I'm not going back there. There's t- twice now we've had Frida in it, and Norris has not got a name check. I'm starting to wonder. He's anyway. like, I've got a massive tab at the Rovers. So <laughs> She's found a decent BSL teacher for Chesney and Gemma. British Ches- sign language. Yes, Chesney is not really in the right mood for this because he thinks he's just a bit rubbish at it. Whereas. Gemma's signing, you know, she's, can you, is that, do you say you're fluent in sign language? I don't know how that works, but she's doing a jolly good job yeah, about it. can I it. just give a shout out to Dolly Rose Campbell? I do yeah, not know absolutely. what her background is in BSL or whether she has learned this for the role, but learning the signs and her lines and doing, the, performing the, the signs and saying her lines at the same time is not as easy as you probably think it is. If you look, sometimes actors who I presume can do laundry in their own homes can't even fold clothes properly when they're trying to perform in a scene. <laughs> they kind of like start off doing it and then they throw it away. Yeah. Um, I thought so that Dolly did a this? brilliant job. And it th- this is the most likeable that Gemma has been for a long, long time. because she's nowhere near Chesney most of it. She's she's just not, you know, she's not vile, she's not being obnoxious, she's not being stupid. She's actually taken the time to learn this skill. And again, we're talking about Gemma here and not Dolly Rose Campbell. Um, and and she, I, I do feel some sympathy for her over the, or shall we give um, Alad this cochlear implant or not? But no, I, I just thought that Gemma came across really, really nicely yesterday. And the, and the scenes that they had, I mean, there was barely anything, basically, this this. Uh, sign teacher comes round. They reassure Chesney that um, we all learn at a different pace. Don't worry about it. And, and then the three ladies go to the cafe and have a bit of a conversation about it. Um, it was. Ju- it just came across as very, very wholesome. I found it interesting. Not, you you pointed out to me, didn't you, that not everything that the the teacher. Oh, sorry, I can't remember what her name was. Not everything that she Charlie was saying was translated. Oh, you found out. She's not everything by Vilma was, Jackson. Not everything was translated even. There was a little bit of the, she says something and then Frida says, yes, that's right, Charlie, blah, 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 and kind of repeats it back, even though obviously Gemma knew what she was saying. Mostly. Um, I'm sure Gemma isn't actually fluent yet. I just found it really, really interesting and refreshing having them, and and that, and unlike the Tim and Steve scenes earlier in this week, which did feel a little bit like I was being lectured at or being, you know, taught about racism. This didn't feel like I'm being taught about deaf culture. It was just literally two deaf characters and somebody who's learned various sign language having a conversation together. Yeah, I liked, I thought it was really great. I like the fact that they didn't translate everything that Charlie said. Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. it, I know I know that's what you said. I'm adding to it. Okay. They were they were chatting and they were it was very natural and it felt like as we were watching it as people that don't sign 
the show was saying, oh, you missed it, did you? Well, tough, you know. Mm. Um, that's how deaf people feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they'll miss something in a conversation because it's not geared up for for deaf people. Well, this is a conversation that's geared up for people that can sign. And you can't sign, well, you're going to miss some bits. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I just... thought that was a kind of a powerful thing to sort of... It wasn't rubbed in everybody's faces. And I don't think that, you know, it's one of the most important parts of the scene. But that's what I got out of it. Mm. Yeah, it re- really, really well done. I uh, I very appreciated that. It was a long time since we've had this story, like a, a month or so. And now it's back. Is it going to be, you know, weeks again before we have it again? I don't know. Or we've, well, or I they, think, didn't they say they that they were going to have the implant operation next week? Oh, did they? I thought they did. Oh, I, I can't remember because, yeah... What was it? Gemma thinks... Chesney Gemma, thinks that they should definitely well, do it. Had this, they've had this discussion before. Why not help him to hear and, and Gemma's Gemma not sure. Gemma previously was saying, I'm worried that it might not work. But well, now it's, she it's seems the drilling into saying, their baby's head. Yeah. Now she seems to be saying, I don't think there's anything wrong with him necessarily. And this is what I was saying before about that documentary, that Sound and Fury that I watched. Hmm. And you don't have to agree or disagree because it's not really, unless you're deaf and you're, or your child is deaf, I don't think you really need to, you know, decide what you think or what you would do in that situation. I think it's down to the people that are involved. But I'm still glad that they're bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. And that, that ties up the week nicely. Um, what are you going to score this week's episodes? Gemma, I think I know my score. I think this was pretty dramatic. It was very stressful um, because of the racism thing and worrying and still worrying I now. thought that that was relatively well done, even if some bits came across as clunky. Um, I well, no, I'm talking bit... about what we said about it. Oh, no, I thought we were fine. You always think that, and I always worry about no, it. No, no, it's fine. But, look, um, that I found that quite <laughs> stressful. And then I thought the Todd stuff was great and dramatic, um, I loved Hope this week. She was fantastic. Um, and yeah, the signing was sweet. And it was like, it was like, um, it was like a window on another world, wasn't it? And mm. that's what Coronation Street is really for sometimes, I think. You yeah. know, looking at other people's lives that you, and, and thinking, oh, that's just like me. Or, wow, I've never known anyone like that before. Mm. I think that's what why we like it, isn't it, everybody? Yeah, yeah why we like to watch these shows. So I think that they had a good range. They had, you know, the very very simple mundane things of life, like, you know, signing with your friends in a cafe. And then they had the dramatic, soapy, ridiculous, campy stuff, like showing a video of somebody filmed (laughs) in a funeral parlour, laying out their evil plans. And then we had, like, the issue story of the week, which was the the baby's racism story. So what's your score? I think I want to give it a four. Whoa, okay. I want to give it four. Are you sure? Um, No, I'm not. I'm going to give it a five. No, you're not. Four, four what? Four. Pints of cyanide. <laughs> I can't. Do, I think I'm going to give it a Tim's reading age of three and a half out of five, <laughs> which is which is good. I thought I it was a solid week. It was. I, I wasn't read. I wasn't. If they can't, then that's exactly how old is it. What is I wasn't age left age? as I have been on numerous weeks this year, thinking, oh, that was a bit of a naff week, really. I I left 
I left feeling satisfied. Not like, oh, that was an amazing week, brilliant, Curry's back on top. But yeah, three three and a half is good. I was I was just going between that and um three three and a half marrows at the village fate. Which is uh, <laughs> apparently how Toya sees him round because she's had another another oh, veggie lime thrown in there. Was that the, I can't the remember. Word? I can't remember. Anyway, that was silly, wasn't it? Um, character of the week. <laughs> Can this you week. imagine sitting opposite Imran, who's like, you know, one of the best-looking men on the street now that <laughs> Tristan Jemel's gone. Jemel, Jemel, yeah, Jamil, <laughs> and 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 he's also he's not just handsome, but he's also caring, and he's a hotshot lawyer, and saying you are very much like a marrow, <laughs> and you should be flattered. <laughs> Uh, I she mean, does love her, you, her veggies, though, does why, Toya. I know, but marrow, even if you like vegetables, marrow's, like, bottom tier, isn't it? <laughs> like, I think it's only good for village fates, isn't it? Well, maybe she just likes the idea of it getting a good stuffing. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> stuffing. <laughs> but character of the week, I'm finding, um, I think, my heart says Michael. Because Ooh, yeah. of how supportive he was for James. I enjoyed how excitable he was being about the car. I thought I, I enjoyed him, you know, everything that was getting up to with Grace. I thought um I thought the the fact that he was fighting for James to not just let this lie, I, I really, really did enjoy him this week. Um I mean I also liked Hope. I liked Todd. I know, I um, think I, I really liked Hope. I like I like Gemma. Um, and it's been uh, she, she she can't she's not going to be character of the week she wasn't in it as much but like I said that was the most I've enjoyed Gemma for an awfully long time um, but yeah I think I think I'm going for Michael this week I'm gonna give it to Michael too but I'm gonna give a bonus shout out to the actress Dolly Rose Campbell for her British sign language learning and also you God, know... if this is the beginning of liking Gemma again I'm gonna be so thrilled because I used to absolutely love Gemma she was she was one of our favorites wasn't she three four years ago yeah and Sam Aston has also learned um some not as much as yeah uh, she has but he's he's there's, there's only so long that you can be impressed by a character using sign language but it's it's a start this week I uh I don't I don't want to be fed up with them I don't want to hate them I don't want to it's find them obnoxious and dislikable it's because Gemma is most likable when she's vulnerable and not overly confident yeah she can't be loud and brash with her hands you can, but um... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I but um, I, I said that she it, she could be worse. At, she, I mean, it's probably, she probably likes it because she can talk with her mouth full even more now because she doesn't <laughs> even have to try and speak with her mouth. She can, she can talk as the cows go home with her hands. Um, right, I think that is it. Anything else to say about this week's Corey? No. We've been going quite a while, over two and a half hours on this yeah, one. Look, big week. It was a big week. It was a big topic. It was um, important to talk about. Um, there were definitely weak points of the storyline. It's not like, you know... It's not perfect, not... but it was all right. No. I was satisfied. I was happy. They're, do- they're, doing, an, they're doing an okay, the okay ask for. job. <laughs> yeah, coming off of a lot of this year, what we've been criticising. So, well done, Coronation Street. Let's move on and do some news. Okay, so it's news time, and we we didn't do a cabin last week, and I thought we'd probably better do one this week, but tell you what, not much has happened, so I had to really troll the internet for the tabloidiest um, 
news items to cover today. I don't think this is going to be too long. Um, but these are both coming from The Sun. And the first one, um, Gemma, according to a poll from buzzbingo.com, who surveyed 2,000 adults, Gemma's had a look and see what this is. 27% of Coronation Street fans that are included in the poll said that something has happened on Coronation Street that has had them romping on the sofa. That's really... Um, I would say disrespectful to 27% the 27% over a quarter of Coronation been... Street watchers, apparently. I don't know That's whether... That's ridiculous. 27%? Yeah. That's weird. So it's got them so horny that they've just... I don't believe that. I think during that's Coronation Street. I think that's a total lie. I think they might... I, I think it's fair to, You know, if they said they got really bored and they thought, I can think of something better to do than this... I mean, I'd believe that Coronation than... Street has had its racy moments, hasn't it? For sure, but <laughs> not so much in the past, you know, year, year and a half or so, because they've not been able to. But that's that's, that's utterly a lot. crazy. That's twenty-seven. That's yeah. That's too. That's too high. That's obviously a lie. Also, well, I'm a forty. Gonna, I've got. A... I'm going to say this. There are children in this program. You well, they probably really were be, romping to that. You shouldn't really be doing anything in a situation where you could look up and there's a child's face on the television. I think it was just like, I mean, you that's know... that's inappropriate. I think it was maybe Phyllis Pierce and a dirty talk with Percy Sugden or something is what got the juices well, playing. I mean, it probably is an old... Probably is 27% is all the old old couples, I reckon. Well, why, the, why wouldn't they? The Randy Grannies. Well, apparently, if you thought that was unbelievable, 47% of people said, uh, you know, any programme, at least one programme, has got them romping on the sofa. I don't believe that. I think this is worded Romping wrong. is the tabloid word of the day. I don't think understood the question. 38% Love Island. Hmm? I don't know. Um, 25% Strictly. So um, Strictly is uh, 2% more rompable than Coronation Street. 23% Emmerdale. and disgusting. Um, and only 14% The Line of Duty. Why would you go, for look at those coppers. Oh, bent <laughs> copper, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, I'm going to copper feel of you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the article said something along the lines of people were probably trying to concentrate a bit more on Line of Duty because the plot was a bit more complicated, so they less likely to start ripping each other's clothes what off. What is wrong with people? Now, a spokesman from Buzz Bingo has said, we can see how looking at Love Island could get couples excited, but the effect of Coronation Street and Emmerdale on viewers surprised our researchers. <laughs> is that, maybe there's like one culprit episode. Maybe. That we're forgetting that was really sexy that we obviously have missed. Well, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I want to know. Maybe what? I don't. How many of our listeners... Have started romping. No, don't tell me. I'm not interested. After listening to Coronation Conversation Street, I mean. No, horrible. Write in and let us know. Um, don't involve me in anything. <laughs> news item number two from the Sun. It's all about complaints. I mean, like a complaint oh, story. Good, yeah. At least once a year, there's some random thing about complaints, aren't there? And um, apparently, in the past five years, Coronation Street is by quite a wide margin. Um, the most complained about pro- programme when the complaints are about either smoking, drugs or alcohol. And these figures were com- are collected by the Vape Club, apparently. Oh, I don't know. So, um, yeah, 310 complaints have come in in the past five years about smoking, drugs and alcohol. Gemma, have you been offended by any any tobacco or other a narcotic of, use? That's too broad of a category, isn't it? Why? Well, because... You know, there's there's definitely a difference between saying, "Oh, I'm offended by Vicky, uh, Vicky, Billy the Vicar <laughs> Vicky shooting the up in the church," which I can imagine was a that lot. That probably of those. took a lot of it. Actually, that's a very good and point. I don't want my children watching um, Vicky, uh, the the um, the factory worker smoking. Mm. 
Because she did smoke so that we all would know that she's evil. Oh, yeah. Vicky, when she first came in. Vicky Irish, Vicky, yeah. Quite she often did, didn't they'll she? have a character come been, in and smoke once, just not, so we know. <laughs> there have not been very many um, cigarettes lit up in the past five years on Corrie, have there? Do you remember when um, Adam Barlow came back in after his you know, long time out and he, he went into the factory and lit up a big cigar and was like, hey, I'm Mike Maybe. Baldwin's son. But yeah, um... I would complain about that. Well, Love Island has had 73%, not, not 73%, 73 complaints in the last five years. Emmerdale, 52. This morning, 25. Wow. And Big Brother, 21. Now, I don't know how long it's been that Big Brother's been off our air, but I'm going to say it's been fairly close to five years. So maybe that's just because it's not been on the telly that no one's complained about it. I know, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um... If you have complained about Coronation Street, us let us know and why. What was the point? I bet you Gav complained about. <laughs> oh, my great auntie about maybe. The drugs. Maybe. Uh, the, the vicar in the church, really, honestly, I think it could, could possibly be at least like 200. At least half of those. Oh, yeah, Because I remember was... people complaining. I bet you, actually, if we went back and looked at the um, official figures that were released when the story was on air. I bet you it would be more than 310, so I don't know where this number's come from. No, I don't know where it's come from either. Coronation Street always seems to come out quite high in these sorts of things, doesn't it? It's good, it just means people are, you know, wanting to interact in some way. It means making people (laughs) think and talking about it and whatnot. I mean, during Kate Oates' period, that's when it got the most for the the violence and and the darkness. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that even though she is no longer... Um, producing Coronation Street. Well, it's the a legacy form of lives on. Publicity, isn't it? No matter what is good or bad. Yes, and speaking of publicity, my last in inverted commas news item for this week is um, just um, something to say. Thank you very much to um, Claire who um, gone got in touch with us on Instagram uh, this week to recommend a podcast which has got Helen Worth on this week, and you don't see Helen Worth doing interviews or anything very much. So um, this podcast is um, a Christopher Biggins one, who is a celebrity for. Something? Why is Christopher Biggins famous again? He's, what do you mean? He's just all. He's a. He's done reality like TV, lovey. but what was he before that? He's just a big lovey. Isn't he's he? a lovey with a podcast now, and he's got one at this out called Show and Tell with Christopher Biggins. It's like and, a um, beloved celebrity of all ages. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically involves getting other celebrity friends of his on, of which Helen Worth is quite close apparently. Um, bringing on uh, like three items that are very dear to them, and they have to talk about them. So um, Helen had, oh, what was it like a little cat statue or something as one of them, and also a cobble. No, it wasn't a cobble. It was a piece of wood from the Coronation Street set that she brought on. I can't remember who it was that she said gave it to her. Now maybe um, Amanda Barry possibly. Yeah, it was. It was a bit of wood from. From Jim's Cafe set. Anyway, if if you're interested in podcasts, which I assume you are, and you want to hear um, a bit of Helen Worth, who we don't, don't hear very much about about her in real life, go and download Show and Tell with Christopher Biggins. It's only about half an hour or so. I found it quite interesting when I was tidying my classroom this week. Good. And that is it. Um, I hope That's there's it. I hope there's more better news that next week because it's been a bit rubbish. It's been a bit of a lull recently. So. Coronation Street stars, do something newsworthy, please, and spread the word to your castmates. Nothing too gossipy or scandalous, because it'd be... We We don't like that. No, absolutely not. Right, uh, should we move on to the feedback section? Yes. Okay, that is nearly the end of the podcast. It is time to find out, as always, what our lovely listeners thought about what's been going on in Coronation Street recently. Gemma, what did our Facebook group think about last week's Coronation Street, please? They gave it pie. 
Oh, they did give it pie. They gave it a big old dollop of pie, three point one four. I didn't notice that. Well, I'm the mathematician of the household. So that included Heather, who gave it three and a half masters of the great unwaxed out of five. Fiona gave it three blah 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 hand gestures out of five, and Mark rather lengthy um, contribution here, gave it four unscheduled counselling sessions with Toya that, much like the scheduled sessions, take place in a fast food outlet, confirm that most of your problems stem from personality issues, leave them all unresolved and scattered, and leave you feeling nonplussed and unamused. <laughs> Out of five. It's a damning Thank you, uh, Mark. I've had that on and everybody else. Toya's counselling It is true that everything that goes on professionally seems to take place in Speed Dial, the Bistro or the cafe at the moment, doesn't it? Well, you know, she's a senior sales advisor now. She can't be pandering to everybody's (laughs) personality problem. I wanted to start off the feedback section this week with some comments from some of our listeners on the Facebook group about all the racism stuff that's been going on in Coronation Street this week because, as is often the case, some of our listeners might be able to articulate thoughts and feelings and opinions about this in a, in a much better way than we are. I think when I read these, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I That's what I said. wanted to say. Well, let, let's have a look at what people have said. So I get, we got lots of comments about this. So I'm can sorry I, that I've not been able to include them all. But Can I just also say that I was so impressed with how everybody was discussing it on our Facebook group. Everyone was like being really honest and um, sensible and... There was there weren't any arguments and I didn't have no, to I know. Was, lock any threads. No was, locking or blocking. No, I was I was really chuffed. <laughs> so Stuart said, when I not that st- I thought that people wouldn't be able to discuss it, but I know other we've had we've had fallouts on the Facebook group occasionally before. <laughs> Very which brief is a lovely place. and uh, ran, uh, what's the word infrequent. Stuart says, when I saw Steve and Tim talking about the Bailey incident, I groaned inside and listening to them, I was like. I can't believe they've incl- they have to include this. It felt so poorly written and sort of normalising the issue. But then I listened harder and actually was so glad that it was included and felt it was just as powerful or even more so than other scenes in this story. Oh, that's really interesting. It's good, point, what, yeah. That's what they went for. It's nice that I, I think yeah, lots of people would have groaned when it first started. I think <sighs> I still end up with a bit of a groan in my head about it. But like I said earlier, they they kind of had to have something like this, I suppose. I've thought that. Um... A lot of people said, oh, when I saw this, I was like, here we go. Mm. I think that was a fairly common um, sentiment that people were like, ugh. Mm. But then as they watched it, they felt it It kind of had more to say than they thought it would would do. James said, I felt a bit patronised by that scene as well, but I thought I might go back and watch it again. I know it was well-intentioned, if nothing else. I think it's important that Corey has a BLM storyline and let's face it, it's a pretty tricky subject to handle and they're going to get stick for it no matter how they approach it. I must say though, both James and Michael's acting has been really good this week and I never thought I'd hear myself say those words. Oh, I thought they were right this week. Yeah, they did a decent enough job. Pat um, says, I also thought at first that it was really dumb but then I realised that the characters were enunciating a lot of the things that people had said on Twitter after the original episode. So, though I wish Steve had been a bit more forceful, it was pretty realistic. That's not that's something that we didn't cover earlier in the discussion, was it? About the no. fact that some people on Twitter were pretty vile about all this, and even um, there was one post that Coronation Street put up about it that they had to block replies to, didn't they? Yeah. Just because people couldn't react in a sensible and um, what's the kind of word that I'm looking for, Gemma? Be my dictionary. <sighs> oh, I can't. I'm sorry. Rational and kind way. I don't agree with being kind about things. You know, I don't. 
Well, listen, this is what I'm trying to say to people. This be kind stuff is nonsense. If Michael and James had hashtag be kind when um, Brody had come along, you know, are they supposed to just be kind to him and not report him when he says something, when he possibly is racially profiling them? No. If everybody was just kind about stuff, we'd never get any progress for social justice for anybody. Being kind is the is a position of ultimate privilege. But you can be kind. kind. You don't need social justice. If everybody's kind, yeah, but that's not the world that we live in, and you're not going to get that world by being kind. Sorry, that's <laughs> realistic. Okay, right. I'm sorry. I just really feel really strongly about that. It's pathetic, honestly. Right. Chad says, I'm going to try and put this as sensitively as possible, so apologies in advance if I cause offence. Initially, when I saw Michael and James being pulled over, I thought, oh no, not the racism storyline again for the babies. But then I stopped myself and I thought, no, wait, this sort of thing does happen all the time and why shouldn't it be brought to everyone's attention as much as possible? And when Michael stated all the incidents that have occurred over the last year, it makes sense that it's part of a longer-running story of racism and how it can happen at any moment. I actually found it incredibly educational. As a white man myself, I never have to worry about these things happening to me. I can't imagine having to go through life with it in the back of my mind that someone might treat me differently just because of the colour of my skin. And if I find it upsetting to watch on a TV programme, just imagine how devastating it must feel in real life. Sorry for the bit of a downer post, but this is a great place for expressing how something in the show has made you feel. And I'm so glad this wonderful group exists. Lovely. Yeah, so that was really interesting. There's um, I, I, there's no nobody here who's saying they didn't really. No, there, there were definitely seven. Click. I didn't, I didn't not copy them on purpose. It well, was, we it definitely was had we, some we, people who were saying, absolutely, a hundred percent, this was racist, and some people saying there's not enough evidence here to say whether this was racist or not. And this is what I was saying earlier about you know you, you kind of have to read people's minds, mm. but if a pattern of behaviour emerges, if you report something that's kind of really be the only way that you can yeah. bring these things or, or sort of see a pattern in what's happening. Mm. So thank you everybody for thank you everybody, Facebook. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen next in this story. There's definitely... Well, I, I said what I Do reckon. you think it's going to move into more on Craig's shoulders? Yeah, maybe. I mean, Michael and James have done their bit in reporting it now, haven't they? Um, so I've, I've got a feeling it's going to be a bit more about Craig. Like I said, I think he's going to give Brody the benefit of the doubt and then realised that he is actually a massive racist. Again, like I said, it's a, it's a position of privilege to be able to give the benefit of the doubt. Mm, mm. Um, back to our feedback about what happened in last week's Coronation Street then. So Nancy said that she enjoyed Curtis and Emma together and hopes that the story will be more about the romance than the medical condition. I would hope so too. We've got that medical condition in the background there. I don't know how much mileage you can get out of the fact that you could drop dead at any minute i suspect that they could if they're not being careful about it turn it into some kind of comedy plot where she finds him asleep on the sofa and thinks she's died or something but um i think emma is certainly the sort of character that could have a very very sweet romance story and i'd, I'd love to see that uh, nancy continues that the photo shoots were hilarious and love dev's reaction to his calendar photo and abby's when she saw kevin dressed up um, Phil and Fizz makes a good couple, she reckons, and loves the way that Tyrone was in denial about being jealous and Alina's reaction. Also, and Gemma, I don't know whether you can uh, attest to this, a friend of Nancy's told her that you don't get drunk on Prosecco, because we were talking about the difference between Prosecco and Champagne last week. That's... Now, you managed to have quite a bit of sh- uh, Prosecco last Saturday, didn't you? No. <laughs> can you get drunk on Prosecco, Gemma? Yes. Have you got drunk on Prosecco? Yes. Did you get drunk on Prosecco last weekend? 
No. <laughs> um, I'm all, sorry to tell you, Don't Nancy, believe your friend, Nancy. You really can get drunk on any alcohol if it's a high <laughs> enough percentage. Um, Laura's going to cause more trouble for Kelly by speaking with Chris, the journalist. And I'm surprised that Carla seemed not to know that Laura is Kelly's mum. Um, finally, Nancy said that she gave the episode three and a half laughing cavaliers out of five and her character of the week was Dev. Gotta love Dev. Thank you, Nancy. Oh, yeah, everyone loves Dev, don't they? Mm. So, John has written and Oh, this said, was on a Facebook group, wasn't it? You told me to copy this and put it in as feedback this week. John says, love the response to Cindy's question on on feedback. This so is that last was week's one, wasn't the it? The person from Portsmouth. Oh, yeah. allowed to, to be part of our podcast, because we don't. <laughs> we love everybody. We're was all, it? Was that we're all Southerners. Cindy? I think it is. I can't remember. You might be right. I we've think got, so. We've definitely got somebody. <laughs> oh, we've fellow, got a couple of Portsmouth listeners. I fellow, know we have. A fellow Hamptonian. Yes. Yes. Um, have a little South, down south meetup. Yeah, South Coast um, Riviera meetup. Yeah. <laughs> John says, um, Michael sharing most of my opinions as to how to get the show back consistently on track. The cast is way too big. There are a large percentage of characters I don't like. Therefore, their stories are off-putting, especially if those characters are involved in block filming and even more so, a lot of characters I love being wasted. There seems to be no ideological legacy from the bosses and the scripting is way too erratic in quality. I like Ian. I like most of the team. And as mentioned, his tenure has been hindered and affected in ways most could never handle or comprehend yet he's been there for a significant time and when he does leave the question must be asked has he left it in a better state than when he arrived which is the very least a producer should aim for that's interesting because you're absolutely right as much as we rag on Ian McLeod sometimes he has had like the biggest challenge one of the biggest challenges that any curry producer has had to face with uh, with uh, getting through the pandemic but I don't know. I think when he when he goes, we'll look back on, and it'll certainly be a, a a period of highs and lows. Will he have left it in as good a position as when he found it? I don't know. I it's really enjoyed depending on your depends what you think about Kate Oates, yeah. didn't you? And Although, Patrick, then, which is her biggest legacy. Yeah, I think towards the very end of Kate Oates' time, it felt like it was trailing off a little bit. I can't remember exactly when the switchover was. Was it like around when Sally was getting involved with Duncan and everything? Maybe which which wasn't great. Um, I don't remember, I'm afraid. But anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted. What else does John say? John says, my only worry, as I said previously, is that ITV usually transfer producers from Emmerdale and the current bosses in Yorkshire are not great. The other option would be to promote from within, so Joe Parkinson, Lindsay Williams or Matthew Cleary may be taking over, which could be a fresh yet safe transfer, or just bring in a totally fresh pair of eyes from elsewhere. Whichever, there seems to be no rush on Ian's part to leave and he could well be a modern-day Bill Podmore. Finally, as hardcore viewers, I feel we're exactly who bosses need to impress and retain. As casual viewer ratings are rapidly decreasing, if long-timers like us are put off enough to stop watching, the end will appear more hastily than any of us wish. That's what I was saying last week about yeah. how uh, they shouldn't focus on ha- hardcore people. Yeah, yeah. So he's taken a different. Um, mm. I just it's think difficult to to know what's the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was obvious, they'd just do it, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's it's funny that you're talking about him being a a modern day Bill Podmore. It's a producer that lasts a long time. There's no reason why not. There's no reason why any of them couldn't be like that. Really. But it makes me it think there's producers some reason. generally, you know, two, three, yeah. four years and then they're out. But it makes they don't me have think there's be. a reason why that is, whether it's because it's just a really stressful job. It probably is that it's so stressful. Or do you come in with your vision, you play that out and it's like, crikey, I can't think of any other ideas for the show now I've done my bit. I don't I don't know. There's no reason why somebody couldn't stay there for ten years and maybe get some really long you know, long term storylines in or something. But... I mean from from a certain perspective it does feel as though 
what he's saying about ideological, what was it, uh, legacy. Mm. It doesn't feel like the producers come in and say, well, I must honour this story or, you know, I've got left this secret note that so-and-so is going to come up down the pipe. It feels like every producer comes in with a, with a clean slate to do kind of whatever they like. Yeah. yeah. And it's really um, down to them. Whereas, like I've said before, I really feel as though it would be better for the show if there was a long-term vision. Yeah, I don't know what goes on. It would be, I don't know, yeah, obviously we don't know, but it really feels like it would be great. And obviously you can't plan because actors and writers and producers are human beings who get sick or can't or or move on or, Mm. you know, have babies and families and priorities change and they don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But it really feels as though they're missing a trick by not, maybe they do, you know. Sit down and go, right, what's the 10-year plan? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We don't. I, I hope I never find out, to be honest, because that would mean I'm involved in the back side of Coronation Street and I don't want to be. You prefer to be in front of the telly? <laughs> yeah. Criticising it. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying it, surely. John says, there are good writers on the show. Ellen and Kirsch are superb. There are outstanding actors, some of the very best in the country, and there are genuinely excellent directors and crew who know their stuff. We just need to get production back to resembling normality. Reduce cast by 15 to 20 and have a vision and purpose for every individual character as well as for the show. Be consistent, be bold, be what Tony would have written. Oh, and cut back to four episodes a week. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of that would be quite achievable if you had four episodes a week, but sadly I think that's, um, you know, the genie's out of the lump. Yeah, the advertising gods say no to that. Mm. Um, we got a message from Fangallo Blood 123 last week. It came in just a little bit too late for us to include in last week's show, or I looked a little bit too late. So um, I apologise, Fangallo Blood 123, for not mentioning it. But I've got it in here now. She says, for the past few weeks, I've not known when to send the feedback. So this is like my thoughts in the past month of Corrie. The fact that three couples are broken up due to some kind of infidelity annoys me. Lazy and repetitive and unnecessary. Curtis being ill? Could have seen it coming, but at least it's not a scam artist storyline. And I can't remember much else that happened. Character of the week is Emma, and I give it two and a half. Unfortunately, plays Kiwis out of five. <laughs> can't remember much. Out- Sometimes I forget. I'm getting worse, I think. As I I'm, know, my memory is really bad. As I'm nearing 40, I'm not retaining as many details about what's happening. This, but you've got a lot of life left. So I if know. you're saying you're deteriorating at 40, it's all downhill from here. I'm <laughs> sad to tell it's you. It's a rock film, and I just blame everything on You need on to block do filming. some Sudoku. Yeah, I need to get my, my DS brain training out again. Let's get to Dr. Kawashima. You need to do you need to do Sudoku and you need to do high intensity interval training. Okay, okay. For your body and mind and meditation. I'm going to read out Rebecca's because you've already read out some long ones there. Don't right. give your voice a break. Rebecca says she was right when Curtis wasn't up to anything suspicious. Uh, that was bad, but didn't think it was a heart condition. I really like Curtis. I think he and Emma could be a good couple. But now he's got this condition, it's like a ticking time bomb, and eventually I do think he will die. <laughs> Maybe he and Emma will have a deathbed wedding. I suppose oh it depends God. on how long they want them around for. Can I quickly give my prediction? Yes. Because they haven't said what it is that he's got. Um, he's going to sort of limp around, have a couple of scares, go to the doctor, get a proper diagnosis for something that really, by all rights, he should have already been diagnosed with because it's going to be not a mysterious condition but they will actually name what it is and there'll be some kind of 
magical fix. Like yeah. getting... oh, it's just this. You just need a paracetamol. There you go. Like you know that guy. He gets that. You get. You get the um. What's it called? We yeah. said they didn't know what it was last week. Gets that installed and then he's fine. Mm. I don't. Uh... Deathbed wedding kind of feels dramatic and tragic enough for Emma to give a good cry through, but I don't know whether I like the sound of that or not. Who knows? Um, I love the calendar stuff, says Rebecca, especially Deb and Ardy. Uh, Jimmy and Adam play against each other very, very well. Yes. I also like Debbie walking in on Deb and Abby walking in on Kevin. What is going on with Debbie? They they need to give her a story and fast, don't they? It's like they've, they've forgotten that they'd renewed Sue Devaney's contract. It's like, oh, we thought we just brought you in for the Ray storyline, but you're still hanging around. <laughs> I don't know what her story is. I, I haven't really given any any thought, but... I really, really hope she gets something meaty soon because she's just popping up behind the counter in the bistro at the moment and that is seriously wasting a jolly good actress, I say. Um, uh, Rebecca also calls for them to um, release the calendar in the real world. Um, I think this this year's or the 2022 Coronation Street calendar has been revealed. It's You know they don't release them here anymore. It's all They come out in Canada, don't they? But we've not had a Coronation Street calendar in the UK for donkey's years now. I think now. that really is fair and makes sense because obviously in Canada they have different months. <laughs> it's so, so ridiculous, isn't it? it's not a translatable thing, Utterly ridiculous. Calendar is one of those things that's just not a universal concept. <laughs> well, you try getting a mayor calendar and putting it up here, you see how that works for you. <laughs> oh, it's the end of the world! <laughs> I'm a bit late. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what the theme is. Is it like Space. shocking moments or big reveals or something this year? I well, can't remember. I mean, that would go for but, the um, uh, nude calendar, wouldn't it? Yes, that's very true, very true. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. The fact that they have set up, we've seen four of them now, these pictures. They could. They could, but they did look... A bit. Were they looking a bit ropey, ropey you think? Mm. The thing is, it was supposed, it's supposed to be a funny little joke, you know, a jokey story, and they've burdened themselves now with this task of producing <laughs> these photos I mean, and they've probably it, bit off more than they could shoot. I think it might sell. I think, to be honest, uh, this calendar with the naked characters in could sell more in this country than just a standard normal Coronation Street character. Would. Who would calendar, for a joke? I mean, yeah, exactly, just for a joke. I mean, than... is your target four grand? Because I think you could probably get that Yeah. Much. Oh, come on, Corey, just do it, just do it. And do a ladies one way rat as well. Just... No, thanks. Um, Tyrone getting his card declined was my highlight of the week, says yeah. Rebecca. Sorry, I'm pettier, but I know, but it's hilarious. <laughs> I quite like Phil, so I wouldn't mind him sticking around for the time being, especially if it annoys Tyrone. Yeah. Hope was brilliant in Friday's episode, especially her blah, blah, blah in Roy's. Alina, though, giving Ty an ultimation, it's her or the girls, um, really shows... Ultima- ultimatum. Ultimatum, ultimatum Yeah. Is that it? She, yeah, I don't know what the word is anymore. Yeah, yeah. She she says that she's being childish anyway. Yeah, she is. She's showing her age. I also really enjoyed the Nick and, Le- Nick and Leanne story this <laughs> week, which I'd, they must be having a great time there, Nick and Leanne. They haven't come out of that hotel bedroom all week. Well, what is going I mean, on in there? For a while, hasn't he? Um, last scene was so cute. Rebecca says, "I also like Sam on the balcony." Although, wouldn't Leanne look on the balcony while Nick and David were searching the streets? No, well, I mean, she was told that he's left the house. Mm. And I mean, I know that I underestimate you at times, but even I would assume that if you said our child is missing, I wouldn't search the house first. (laughs) Because I'd I'd just assume that you had looked for it. Said child. Mm. I'm assuming this story, Rebecca says, will be put to bed for a while. But I've been saying that since Ollie died. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Laura is trouble, and I can't believe that she's selling Kelly's story. Well, Naughty. I actually can. Yeah. I immediately thought of Adam removing his wedding ring when Laura was flirting with him, and like Gemma said, Sarah can keep a grudge for ages. Yeah. Also good to see Kelly again. Hopefully this will be the return of the hate crime story. Slowly does it. Um, also, nice to see Michael again, and glad that Toya got a promotion as well. Although I still don't know what she does. <laughs> she advises sales in a serious manner. Sit. A senior manner, we know now. She does, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say something quickly about, um, like, discrimination and stuff. It would make more sense to me that Sarah and Carla hired Toya over Michael because they're sexist than racist. Yeah, maybe. I can see them going, we're not even thinking. This is what, you know, unconscious bias sounds like a cop-out, but really, honestly... um, we do it all the time. Everybody does. I can imagine Carla and and um, Sarah thinking, "Oh, I think it'd be easier to get on with with Toya." Yeah, but because I, she's a girl, but they don't they don't think all the way through mm, to that. But equally, I do still think that you know Toya does come across as more professional. Michael's a bit of a big kid. He kind of Michael pops seems from idea he's a bit to idea. In the sky, isn't he? Like yeah. if you wanted somebody to be in charge of coming up with crazy ideas, then yeah, Michael. But. If you wanted somebody to sort of like talk customers down done. on the phone, who are mad that they haven't got any gussets. In yeah, their I mean, I don't know whether Toy is any good in sales or not because we've never seen her doing any of it, and she hasn't had any history of working in sales or, or anything like that. But, but the, the other as thing a, is, as a general professional, I would opt for Toya. Just because you are good at sales doesn't mean you're good at managing salespeople no very true because um, I, I would say I would think that Michael would be better at sales than Toya yes probably, yeah yeah no that that's... but would he be better at managing salespeople than mm. Toya uh, I, well, mean, I mean I would honestly if I had Toya and Michael I would probably would hire Toya because she seems to be a bit more sedate Yes, yeah. As as say, senior sales executive, so now second advisor. only advisor or whatever, second only to the boss, does that make Toya the Dwight Schrute of Underworld? She's, she's assistant. assistant regional manager <laughs> or assistant to the regional manager. Uh, Rebecca finishes off that um, it's nice to see Michael again. Oh, we've said that already. Where do I get to? Finally, can the truth about Todd come out, please? Although I don't really want to see Smug Paul. Well, you saw him. Character <laughs> of the Week is Dev with Ardy as a side extra and I give it three and a half Roll models bomb town rolls model. Stand that again. I'm gonna give it three and a half roll models bomb towers or piles of baps out of five. <laughs> Make your mind up, Rebecca. Right, and that is it for another episode of. Did we ask Conversations everybody what they call it? Maybe roll batch bomb bap. I don't know. Nobody else told us. So if we did, I always ignored. call it a roll. I call it a roll. It's a roll, definitely. But your dad calls it a batch. Yeah. Yeah. Right, shall we shall we finish? Because it's like it's turned into Saturday night now and people are probably frothing at the mouth they've for just, this episode of Conversation Street. This is usually out like podcasts. twelve hours earlier. They're just listening to a different podcasts. They better not be. I recommend the Battersea Poltergeist. I've been listening to that. It is a BBC um series about guess what? Poltergeist of Battersea. Yeah. And it's got I want the Battersby Poltergeist. That would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Who's yeah. gonna have to die for that to happen? Uh, I thought poltergeists weren't supposed to be dead humans. No, you're right. Actually, they're I'm, just manifestations. I'm actually quite impressed that you know that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, this... have, they, they, I don't know why it'd be a Battersby one though. Which house would it haunt? 
This one is like the Enfield poltergeist case where it starts off as a poltergeist, but it ends up being spirit, supposedly, of a particular person. Oh, okay, fine. Well, maybe Les can take a hit for it. Maybe you can die. You like to, um, you know, when he was kicking the, um, what was it, during his wedding, and he was kicking all the wedding presents out and throwing them out the window and oh, everything. Oh, that was if very he poltergeisty, had, That yeah. was a poltergeisty thing to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as I said earlier, I recommend the uh, Christopher Biggins show and tell pod, uh, poltergeist. <laughs> podcast if you would like to hear about Gail I'm oh, sorry Helen Worth <laughs> talking about her stuff and how she's busy mates with stuff. the biggins oh. Gemma how please pray tell can people get in touch with us should they wish to share their opinions on this fine podcast or the, indeed the show that we were discussing you can tap on the wall one for yes and two for no mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can um, get your Ouija board out and the wave the planchette around yeah but we won't get any of that you're gonna have to email us conversation street at email at gmail.com or you can find us at conversation street.podbean.com they can leave a message there you can you can leave us a message as if from the spirit world mm-hmm. um you can also go leave us a ghostly itunes review whoa five stars we'll be like ah that's great like that <laughs> Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon. And don't forget, we've got a competition. What's the cat's name? Our cat, specifically, not your right, cat. Right, and tell us, and you get Conversation entered into the Street prize at gmail.com. And thank you again, Nancy. For... Speaking of YouTube, we uploaded um, the Coronation Street um, sport discussion, didn't we? That we had uh, five years ago, because it's the Olympics and everything. Have you guys We're noticed doing all right in the Olympics, the Olympics this year, aren't we? Are we like fifth or sixth in the medal table this year? That's not I'm quite, so that's ashamed to bad. say, I have only seen the opening ceremony. I haven't seen anything Yeah, you're else. usually well into the Olympics, aren't you? You did have your deadline for work this week, so maybe you'll be able to catch up it's with it Friday. a little bit more. Huh? My deadline's on Friday. Is it? I thought your deadline was yesterday. No. Oh, I wrote those reviews for you this week. Like, cause yeah, because they were due. You. Oh, okay. Oh, well. I'm, oh, yeah, it is, because it's, it's our wedding anniversary. Your, uh, your, your deadline is on our wedding anniversary, isn't it? This year, my deadlines have been on your birthday and our wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, don't forget, if you haven't heard it already, our bonus podcast this week that came out a few days ago was an interview with Vicky Binns, who played Molly Dobbs on Coronation Hooray! Street back in the early 2010s. And she was absolutely lovely. lovely and charming and delightful lady. And we had a lovely old time reminiscing about, um, about her time in the show. She was very, very lovely. She's in theatre at the moment in Scarborough, the show Sounds funny. Um, I just really, it's called. it's called Home, I'm Darling. I just really, really, really um, appreciated and enjoyed having a good old chat with her. And it's been a long time since I've, you know, thought about Molly Dobbs even. Um, but yeah, she came across really, really warm and delightful. Mind. And I am in, I'm not surprised that she's good friends with Jenny McAlpine as well, who is also a lovely lady. So many lovely people on this show. It's one of them's got to be lying. <laughs> I think we'll finish there. Should we finish there? I think we'll finish, finish there. there. Okay. What is that tea? It's fine. I made Gemma a cup of tea earlier and um, it's not been drunk yet. Oh, so. I apologise. Mm. I'll get on with that then. Oh, right. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's finish. Let's, Let's drink get my this tea. uploaded. Drink your tea. Where's the music this from? Podcast themes. Dot. <laughs> <laughs>